0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to Armchair Expert. I'm Dax Shepard. Who are you joined by? And I'm joined by... Miniature...
1: Moose. Moosey. Miniature Moose. Why are you doing the intro today?
0: I wonder. Is it Monica Day? I think it might be.
1: Yeah, it's Monica Day. All day, every day. Matt Damon is here. Boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh
0: boy. Oh
1: oh boy. I hope everyone has a change of slacks. (laughs) No one should play on this unless they got a backup pair of unmentionables and slacks.
0: I hope everyone's smiling from ear to ear throughout the whole thing because I sure did. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I think we both did. Yeah. It is really funny to be sitting next to someone in an interview and feeling like you like him 100x. Because that seems impossible because I adore Matt Damon. I mean, he is one of my all-time favorite actors. But I was so overshadowed by your love that I felt I don't even deserve to be here.
0: Of course you deserve to
1: be Okay. <laughs> well, that's good.
0: On a scale of one to 10, how cool do you think I played it? A 10. Oh, thank you.
1: It was kind of similar to when we talked to Ben Schwartz about you having been in love with him, where he was like, yeah, this is how it was. And there was this element of like, it's not that way now, just so you right. know. It was very chill and okay. very cool and very rad. Thank you. Yeah. Radical and chill, which but is I hard. was. Fucked up.
0: Yeah. I was way more energized on the inside yes it was extreme it was full body tingles the whole time for real yeah oh my god i'm so i think at one point i really did almost pass out really because at what part well at one point i was like oh i feel like dizzy But I think maybe because I, like, stopped breathing or something Uh because I was listening too hard. Oh,
1: man. What an experience. I don't need to tell you any of this, but Matt Damon is an Oscar award-winning and Golden Globe award-winning actor, producer, and screenwriter. His credits include Good Will Hunting, Jason Bourne, The Martian, The Departed, Ford vs. Ferrari, The Informant, The Ocean's Movies. And he has an incredible movie out that I watched prior to the interview called Stillwater. He's fucking awesome in this movie, Stillwater. And I watched it with Kristen. And she, too, was obsessed with it. She insisted we finish it the next night, which is very unlike her. It is a great, great movie, Stillwater. So please check that out and enjoy Matt Damon slash Monica Padman episode. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. We are supported by celebrity cruises. I know what you think. As long as you're on vacation, you're happy. But the truth is, some vacations are better than others. And there's one that's better than all of them celebrity cruises. With rooms, food, and service like theirs, you'll never want a vacation any other way. And you won't have to with all the places Celebrity goes. They even have weekend Caribbean escapes if you're short on time. So visit Celebrity.com, contact your travel advisor, or call 1-800-CELEBRITY and see why nothing comes close to Celebrity Cruises. Ships Registry, Malta and Ecuador.
2: He's an objector.
1: This is beyond exciting. I love what you're doing with the place, by the way. I hear that's three and a half
3: years in the making. Yeah, what
1: do you think so far? Do you want the name of our um, contractor? It's (laughs) coming along. Uh, I couldn't uh, believe
3: when he told me that was three and a half years. I was uh, like, oh, my uh, fucking God. Oh, yeah. We did this in Florida about 15 years ago where... I think I lived in Florida for five years, and I think the house was under construction all five years. Uh And then we just fucking left and went to New York. Yeah. That's enough. The only
1: thing that has made it all tolerable is that I own a house like a 1,000 feet that way that I've lived in for 16 years. Oh, cool. Okay. Which now my sister owns. So... We weren't uncomfortable. We would just like come over here and we'd have like a picnic. And yeah, it's gruelingly slow. And as you can see, we're far from the finish line. Yeah, the whole place is dirt. But you just got to see water in the pool, which has never been seen by anybody. That's today's this is novel.
3: Fantastic.
1: Yeah. So congratulations. You guys. got so to the see kids
3: it first. Can swim. That's great.
1: I have to ask before we get started. Have you been prepped in any sense? Has anyone ever told you anything about the show? No. Okay, great. <laughs> I got. I got to. I got to get right into it. Get right into it. Okay. okay, Monica.
0: I co-host the show. That's something to. Yes, s- to
1: this is say. a t- yes two-person operation. Monica Padman from Georgia and myself. Monica has seen Goodwill hunting. It would be incomplete to even guess over a thousand times. Oh wow,
0: M- way more than that. Yeah,
1: and to the level where in school she would close her eyes. <laughs> this is my favorite part of it she'd close her eyes and watch it frame per frame, and she could just sit there and watch the whole movie in her mind.
0: I had it on VHS, I would watch it, and then I would rewind and watch it again, and then once they came out on DVD, and then you guys had a commentary, then I would watch the commentary over and over and over again, it, I know a lot of obsession. people that
1: are into a lot of things. I've never met anyone that was as into one thing as Monica is into
3: Goodwill.
0: That's awesome
3: to hear, though. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> that, that,
1: that's, that's, not like,
0: to make you so uncomfortable. No,
3: it does not make me uncomfortable. That's really cool. I hope I can remember enough about it to answer questions if you have any.
0: Well, that's what I was thinking. I I was doubt, like, I, what am I going to ask? Can I, I guess
1: that well, she then, knows it,
3: way more than you I,
1: about I, the movie be, than you do? It, yeah. I'm positive of it.
3: I can't even get my kid to watch it.
0: Oh God! Yeah, it's like She's a thing. She's missing. Oh my out. God! I got to
3: show you one more
1: thing. I
0: rewatched mm. it last night in prep. Yeah, it's a big deal. And every time someone comes in here who's from Boston, the question is, do you know Matt and Ben? Yeah, yeah, as a yeah, yeah. Entity? Have you met Matt and Ben? Do you know Matt and Ben? <laughs> That's a go-to question. So
1: here's what: when people are in the show, they get one of these, right? So for Monica's birthday, I did you, <laughs> but the initials for the name are wh will hunting that's right so that hangs in her dining room and we often record in there and then we post pictures and people are like who's WH?" <laughs> yeah, it looks like that? it looks like matt damon but you guys haven't had matt damon on anyway so just this is what you sat down into i would want to know all right good and i thanks. thought maybe you would want to know yeah.
0: And That's more will great. be
1: unraveled as we go. All right. All okay. right. Have she has had a tattoo ben, had, on her back. No, her no, face. no. <laughs>
0: not yet. Not yet. <laughs> has Ben done
1: the show yet? No. 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 Okay. no All right. right.
0: We have had Casey on, though.
1: We, we had, have had. Okay, cool. And we talked about Goodwill Hunting, and I want it because we're there already. Let me just say that I too loved it. My first movie with a girl I dated for nine years was that movie. And we sat on the carpet of the movie theater because every seat was taken. And it was sold out, and I was like, let's just go. We'll buy a ticket to whatever, Transformers, God knows what. And then we'll just go in when we did we sat on the floor. And it was a seminal moment in my life, that movie. And I have a theory that I hit Casey with, and I kind of want to hit you with it. All right. Well, let me first ask you, how would you explain its success? Like, what about that movie do you think captivated people?
3: I don't know. Ben and I, when we wrote it, we always talked about just wanting... To love The way it's funny you talk about a VHS, we used to talk about it in those terms, too. We said, if it's just a tape on our mantle, we want to love it. We kind of stumbled into a very wise strategy, which is just... You Make know, the movie you want to be in. Exactly, yeah. That's a hard lesson to learn. It is, and we had a lot of chances to make different versions of it right and we didn't do that it kind of has the lore of rocky like do you remember growing up and learning
1: that rocky like that stallone had written rocky and then they oh, tried to buy it off of him believe so. me that's why we were able to do goodwill hunting isn't just knowing that story about yes, stallone his journey made
3: ours possible oh wow yeah, so not only did you know you were using it as a north star it was a hundred percent a north star and we used to refer to it because the story we heard was that he was offered, I heard it was like $35,000, which in 1975 or whenever, he, and he had a pregnant wife and he was broke. And we knew where he lived in the same kind of neighborhood in West Hollywood, we were told. We were pointed out the house uh-huh, that uh-huh. we lived in where Ben was like sleeping on our couch because he had had this engagement that had broken off. And, and so we were writing kind of in a living room that had all of his shit in it uh-huh. and, um, and where he would sleep. And we knew that Stallone had lived just down the street and that this had all happened. And had
1: experienced all the same things. Yeah. yeah. But basically, studios loved it and they wanted to buy it. And he said, I have to start it. And they said, no. And they offered him some outrageous sum of money to just
3: let go of the script and not be in it. And then he took nothing. And he was broke when he turned down the money. Wow. Because I think wow. Ryan O'Neill was a big movie star and they wanted Ryan O'Neill to do it. Yeah.
1: It's I mean, a can fun you thing imagine to imagine. Could it
0: happened that way? Yeah. yeah.
3: Because Ryan O'Neill was excellent.
1: Yeah. It would be such a different movie, though. And Rocky was, God bless him, too. Not a vain project. No, no, no. He's playing kind of a dummy. Mm Mm-hmm who has similarly kind of a heart of gold in these washed up. You feel so... Have you seen Rocky? No. Oh, my God. Really? Maybe
0: that'll be my new you're good, gonna re, hunting. You're gonna retire, <laughs> good Will You're going to retire Good Will Yeah. Well,
1: in your defense, yeah. if you're only aware of Rocky's three through six, you don't understand, you don't understand. the first yeah, movie yeah, yeah, was yeah. like a legitimate. It was nominated for best movie or maybe even won. It, uh, was- it was
3: nominated. I don't know. It might have won. I can't remember, but... Yeah. But just the end when he's ain't going to be a rematch, don't want one. Like, oh God, it's just like. And how playful he is
1: with Adrian and their little love affair is so beautiful. Beautiful.
3: Oh, she's plain and he's
1: dumb. Yeah.
2: (laughs) I mean, for real, but it's it's beautiful.
1: Yeah. It's so good. Okay. Do you want to hear my theory on why the movie was so successful? Sure. I think we all feel special and unseen as humans. We feel like God. I know I have something special about me. No one's noticing, and we feel lonely and we feel unseen. And that was like wish fulfillment for all of us. Like He is special. This janitor is so special, secret
0: genius, and
1: he's got this secret power that no one's observing. And now people are going to observe. There's that. To me, is what was so oh, wow. catchy about it.
3: I've never thought of it in those terms, but that could very much be true. Something connected.
1: Well, I was on the outside at that time looking in. So I lived in LA, I'm auditioning, I'm not getting any work.
3: Yeah, Brutal, lonely feeling. And I see this movie and I'm like,
1: now I don't think I'm a genius, but I also think like, I want to get, recognize like i want this moment to happen for well
3: well that's interesting because actually that would be the context in which we wrote it we would have been doing exactly what you were doing which is auditioning and not getting anything and feeling like we had something to offer and
1: and you did like you were it
3: wasn't arrogance
1: that movie was brilliant and you did you had something and yeah i just think that's the most special encouraging thing about that movie is like oh yeah i think
3: that's cool. Yeah. I like thinking of it in those terms, actually. That's a nice way to think of it. But it, it would have been born out of the exact same feeling that you know very well. Uh-huh. I was terrified in my early 20s that I was going to die because I felt like I was going to die without, like I had something Before. to
0: give. Yeah.
3: I had
1: something we to give. We're just talking and
0: about this. Literally,
3: we interviewed someone this morning. I was saying that
1: she, this person had airplane anxiety. And I said, you know... I don't have it because I have no illusion of control. Like, I am along for the fucking ride. If it goes down, what am I going to do? Get up and get involved? Like, I enter going... Well, you
0: do think you're going to get involved. Well, I do
1: think that, but that's a side note. But for years, for 10 years in L.A., when the plane was about to crash, I would think, oh, you fucking loser, man. You didn't do a thing. (laughs) Like, you're going to leave and you didn't accomplish one of your goals. And it was so weighty and painful.
3: Yeah, now that you bring it up, I had a terrible fear of flying. Uh-huh. In my early 20s. But you know, And now it's oh. Not at all. Yeah. P- not that I want to go where
1: right? I want yeah. the plane to
2: crash at right. all, but like.
1: I don't want to die, but when I I'm up there, die. when I think, okay, this is it, we're going down, I do think man, I had a good fucking life, and I'm grateful, and this is a totally happy
3: success story, and I'm lucky. That's exactly how I feel. The first thought would be about my kids, like I don't wanna
1: not be here for them.
3: Of course. But for my own stuff, I don't have any complaints.
1: I know, I know. I get kind of, sometimes I get distracted by the notion that we evaluate life by its longevity, as opposed to like what happened in the period of time. Mm I don't know, when Paul Walker died, I was like, naturally I was sad that that dude died. He apparently was a nice person on all accounts. But at the same time, I also was like, that guy had an incredible life. He probably had maybe amounted to five people's lifetimes in this short period of time. Mm -hmm. How do we wanna evaluate it? You can die early and it can still be a success story, I think.
3: It can, but there certainly aspects. I mean, I just remember reading about his daughter, and I just was so that, sad. You for, keep bringing the children up, yeah. and that's well, a good thing to remind ourselves of. Yes, no, well, I, I mean, am, I have too no, well. <laughs> there's your subjective. And I look at all the travel I've been able to do, and all the things I've seen, and by dint of the fact that this job and the era in which I was born, and it is a number of lifetimes the way we get to kind of move around the world. And so, in, in some regards, yes, and then in other regards, there are those primary relationships that you want to, yeah, nurture yeah. forever.
0: And you can have a, quote, successful life and be on the plane and not feel happy or that you lived the way you wanted to live. Like, the success doesn't equal.
3: Right. It's, it's like, what are you calling success? Exactly. Right? Yeah, it's going back to that thing about the tape on the mantelpiece. It's, yes. Yeah. Well, let's put it this way. It is
1: not an equal scale. So the pleasure of success does not equal the pain of failure <laughs> for me right like the pain of failing for many many years was ever present and i thought about it all the time i don't walk around hourly going like god damn look at this this is good shit check me out (laughs) but i did walk around when i was not accomplishing what i was trying to do and it's all i thought about and i was like yeah and i was hyper aware of everyone else that was doing so well like even you i remember watching that movie and going like Well, great, this fucking guy can write like a banshee, too, huh?
3: (laughs) It's hard to be generous when things aren't going your way. When you're
1: desperate, (laughs) yes.
3: Yeah, and I remember that. I certainly remember feeling like, oh, the ugliest parts of myself are kind of laid bare when (laughs) there's a scene in this movie where Adam Driver's character shows me this kind of estate that he's been given by our overlord that i really wanted
2: and and ben and i laughed so hard
3: when we i'm like so he just he he gave this to you that feeling and ben and i when we were writing it we were like so you got the lead in the scorsese movie oh well that's you know know, suddenly we were like 22 year old actors going like oh fuck that guy how could he yeah why'd they cast him can you remember what age that Switched for
1: you because now I can now I know all my shittiness. I used to spread so many rumors about Vince Vaughn. I was just so intimidated by his talent, and I wanted to be him. <laughs> then, like if I heard any smidgen, I would tell anyone I heard. I'm like, now I think about him. I'm like, what a shithead I was. But I was just just jealous and intimidated by his skills.
3: Yeah, yeah. I became more generous when things started going really well for me. Probably, you I know? think that I all mean, the
1: time. It's easier to be a good person when you're like
3: showered and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. That's right. Well, wasn't it Martin Luther? King who said, your character is tested by who you are in times of adversity. Right I, think, right. I always think about that.
0: There's just really no excuse when you're in these positions to be an asshole. Like, you really can't. Yeah,
3: yeah when people was. tell me that, I'm oh, you're so nice. I'm like, how could I, I mean, Not be nice. how else would I be? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, can you imagine how much energy it would take to be an, <laughs> an asshole? Well, you
1: just said exactly what I've been experiencing for the last few years, which is people will say like, oh, you're really kind or you're generous. And I think... I'm not. I'm actually like a greedy little shit pig, but I've been given so much stuff I can actually be generous now. Like, it's not an accomplishment. I didn't work on myself to become (laughs) this way.
3: I have done no work on myself.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But do you remember, like, was there an accomplishment or was there a movie or was there anything where you were finally like oh yeah, I'm done with that. I'm rooting for everyone now and I'm not scared anymore.
3: I remember when I did Courage Under Fire, which is a a supporting role, but I remember I worked so hard on it and I had to... Permanently damage yourself, yeah, perhaps? uh, Yeah, I mean, I definitely was on... I had to take medication for like a year and a half and I... Fucked up my like adrenal system. It was like I was. Uh-huh. I did a number on my body, and but it just took a lot of discipline. And I was really proud of how hard I worked. Like yeah. that I did it. And I looked at the performance, and I was like, "That's good. That's my idea of of what is good." Yeah. And when the movie came out. I didn't understand about like press kits. I didn't understand that the media was kind of directed to talk about the things the studio wanted them to mm-hmm. talk about. And they was like it was like Denzel Washington, Meg Ryan, Lou Diamond Phillips. It was like the big stars in the movie. Sure. And so when I started reading reviews of the movie, I wasn't mentioned. Oh yeah. yeah and I remember yeah. I was like twenty five years old, and I remember thinking, well, I can't do it better than that, so I should probably quit. Maybe the business is telling me like. No, nah, man. If I can't get noticed. Yeah. And then there were, I, I still remember a friend from San Francisco sent me a the San Francisco Chronicle. And the reviewer in the San Francisco Chronicle, I don't know if it was still Mick LaSalle, if he was doing it back then, but singled me out and spent the review kind of talking about oh. me. And I remember thinking, well, dad, someone gets it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah someone yeah, yeah. sees me. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. to your point about being seen, like I have something and nobody sees it, you yeah. know, but it's there. I, I believe it's there. And then when somebody tells you it's there, Yeah, you know, it's wind in your sails, right? It like kind absolutely. of can propel you. Absolutely, yeah.
1: I have to admit something to you. This is so embarrassing, but it's the truth. So my second movie of my life was this movie, Idiocracy, and yeah. I gained 40 pounds for it in like three weeks. So I gained all this weight, and um, mind you, I know I'm in a comedy. I know I'm in a Mike Judge comedy, but I had the most arrogant thought where I was in my trailer. Again, my second movie, I'm 29 or something, um, and I've gained all this weight, and I think, you know, you you could get nominated. I mean, they don't nominate people in comedies. Oh, my God. But I start having this whole fantasy where I could potentially get nominated for an Academy Award on my second movie because I've gained 40 pounds. And I think we all have this De Niro thing in our head, like Raging Bull. So, yes, if I'm you and I went the other way, which is way harder, and I know that De Niro did not Raging Bull, and then no one even comments on it, yeah, that's not supposed to add up that way.
3: Yeah, well, it's just funny you say that. Like, ben and I always tell this story. There's a movie that came out in the 80s, late 80s, early 90s, called Fat Man and Little Boy. Oh, about, about the bombs. About the bomb. And the story that we heard was that the crew, they had a pool of how many Oscar nominations oh, the movie was going
0: to get? My God!
3: Can you imagine how fucking mortifying oh, that would be? Oh my God!
0: Like,
3: you know, like the prop guys, like you know, guys. I'm I'm going to say six. I I think only. <laughs> Stop it, Gary! No, no, just six. I think we might not get every. We might not get them all. <gasps> yeah. No, it's going to be
2: fifteen. Well, we're
1: you know, sweeping all the tech stuff. Right? right? Clearly,
3: we're going to. Yeah, exactly. Right. Oh, the conversations, no. like behind the scenes, and we're like, that's our nightmare, right? <laughs> yes, <laughs> ever, yes, of yes, ever, yes. ever being. So, by the way, good for you for admitting that you had that conversation with the mirror in your trailer. Well, listen, I can
1: say that because it literally flips on a dime, which is it's either that or it's what a fraud I am. How'd they let me in on this thing? I suck. I'm the worst person involved. So another example of that is every time Chris and I attend like the Academy Awards or night before party, the week leading up to the thing, I am telling myself, Everyone there is going to look at me and go, Why did they let this guy in? He's like, He was on punked. Why is he here? That's my whole feeling the whole week. I'm a piece of shit. Everyone's going to be embarrassed. I'm there. Still. Still. On the ride home from every one of these events, I'm literally in my head thinking, I might be the most popular guy in Hollywood. <laughs> I think I knew everyone there. I think everyone was excited to see me. I think I was the life of that part. I literally. There's no zone where I'm okay.
0: (laughs) But that's your operating zone. You're at a zero or a 10. That's That's an addict brain. That's what happens.
3: When you started going to all those parties, what kind of racket was in your head? Well, the first year. So we went from watching the Oscars on TV to being in the front (laughs) row. Receiving one. Yeah, Yeah, it was really like there was absolutely (laughs) no. (laughs) Yeah, you're
1: like an athlete recruited out of high school. You're like a high schooler and a year later, your famous movie.
3: Yeah. And those parties in that weekend, but right before those, the two nights before the Oscars or whatever, at the time, Patrick, our agent, who we've been with the whole time, he now owns WME. He's one Whitesell, of the... F- f- yeah. Pa- yeah, Patrick Weitzel.
1: Also, suspiciously good-looking agent. Can we just...
3: Yeah, Robert Duvall told me 30 years ago that I had to fire him because I couldn't have an looking. agent who was better looking than I was. <laughs> He's better looking than every actor he represents. <laughs> he goes, oh, you gotta get rid of that guy. I'm like, Bobby, what do you mean? He's great. <laughs> He's my friend. <laughs> He's like, Can't have an agent better looking than you are. George uh, Steak Matt.
1: Argentina. <laughs> yeah. Best steak in the world.
3: Oh, so you've met him. I <laughs> did a movie
1: with him a few years uh, back and I just was like. Every time I was around him, I just put record in the tape recorder in my head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I want to remember every word he says.
3: I worked with him in 93. We did a movie called Geronimo, and I had lunch with him every day.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah,
3: I, yeah. I, I, I just loved him. He was a hero of mine, too, as an actor. So I'll just tell you this. So
1: before the table read, we meet him. Again, I'm having like imposter syndrome. I don't belong in this movie. but well, I meet him. He's all over the place, man. He's talking about jujitsu and steak and all this stuff. And I'm, I don't know. It's just a very chaotic kind of first conversation. Yeah. And then he sat down for the table read. And I was like, oh, wow, I don't know that I've ever worked with someone who a word can't come out of their
3: mouth that doesn't sound real. Yeah. Like just
1: another, a whole other gear I've not witnessed.
3: Yeah, it's like one of the best actors in the world who's now 90. You know what I mean? It's like you're, there's just nothing he can say that will ever appear false to you. You know, it feels so
1: <laughs> fucking true. Yeah, yeah. And when he sat down and he started doing that thing, I was like, oh, he can still do that thing at 100%. Like he can do that.
3: So, talk about not belonging. The year of Goodwill Hunting, I was nominated as an actor, and the other nominees in the category. And I remember this because we still have the picture. It was Jack Nicholson, Robert Duvall, <laughs> Dustin Hoffman, and Peter Fonda. Oh, oh my God. My probably God. the best. And so
2: That's probably
1: the biggest nominee group ever. Seriously. So we
3: took a picture at the luncheon, <laughs> and they printed it in the Boston Herald, and my father called me. He was howling, laughing. He goes, uh, it looks like one of those things at Disneyland that you put your head in. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> because I look like a deer in the headlights. I'm like, what the fuck am I doing in this picture uh, yes. with these guys? and it made it into the local newspaper so we cut it out and framed it (laughs) but also
0: what's I think crazy maybe hard for you to process is now if that picture happened that would be normal it would be right. totally normal to have you in a picture with all those people.
1: Yeah, it's like Matt Damon, and it's Daniel day yeah. Lewis. And- well, that's nice. I still feel like the kid with his head in the thing. That's good. That's- yeah, it must have looked like the valet ran up to give one of those guys their keys or something. Yeah. Like, how did this young kid get in this photo? Yeah, no, it's really, it's really.
3: <laughs> and there's the Boston thing, too, of like, you're not all that, bro. Oh, <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, we love taking you down a peg. I well. know. The specificity of the Boston thing is
1: like, oh, yeah, yeah good for you. Yeah. single sentence is basically like Uh, don't think you're hot shit right yeah
3: exactly
0: wait the agent there was a story. Oh, right, there. right.
3: So you were going to party. Right. That year of Goodwill Hunting, they didn't do like CAA invites you to. It was like Ben Affleck and Matt Damon invite <laughs> you to the CAA the party. CAA party yeah. Now, meanwhile, so Ben and I are like, we started calling it our party. <laughs> right, 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 right. Because right, right. <laughs> as far as we were concerned, it was our party. Like, who's coming to our party? <laughs> meanwhile, there's only three parties and everyone goes to all of them, right? <laughs> so that was a huge one for us. Like, we like walking in there and it was every single per it was it was brad pitt and tom cruise and sean penn and fucking robert de niro we're like what the fuck they're all at our party at your party (laughs) but yeah so that was a big one
1: it must be so much more fun to be sharing the fish out of water experience with somebody like you basically got to do it with a wife
3: I don't know how people do it by themselves. It's so surreal. Just the getting famous thing is really surreal. It too. really is. Can I ask what your specific like, thing that you were like, oh, I wasn't anticipating this? The relentlessness of it. What it took me, I think, years to realize was that nothing in the world changes, right? The big things are still the big things. Israel and Palestine, mm. yeah, they, you know, uh-huh. they, they, everything's the same. Yeah. And intellectually, you understand that. But your subjective experience is never going to be the same. Right. Right. It's like somebody rewrote a little bit of code in your subjective experience. And so your world is entirely different. Yeah. But the world is exactly the same. And it's a real mindfuck. And so I was lucky that I was 27 because I lived through my 20s. Slugging it out, falling on my face, getting rejected a lot. Yeah. Living a real life. Yes. And so I had some context for what was happening to me. Yeah. And I also had real friendships and a great family and a real foundation that I could lean on. Yeah. But I've never felt so fucking unmoored. It's a real weird thing. And it's really hard to explain the comprehensiveness of it to somebody to whom it didn't happen and rightly so there's really like no empathy
1: on the table there like of course why would i feel bad or even want to explore how that could be bizarre because
3: you're matt damon and yeah yeah, right of course you don't yeah you certainly don't want to be seen to be complaining about it because it's also something that's for some fucking weird reason coveted in our society so yeah right and because the world is still the world the real intractable problems in the world still take absolute precedence over anything, concluding your little subjective experience. So you shouldn't bitch and cry about it, right? Yeah. So you don't. Well,
1: okay, so I don't know exactly where you're from. I mean, I know you're from Cambridge, but I do know Boston. I've worked there. I know the vibe there. It's not super dissimilar to Detroit where I'm from. Mm -hmm. So here was one really weird aspect for me was all growing up, if I sat down at Denny's and then you're a man and I stare at you, and you stare back at me, and I hold my fucking glare at you. You guys are going to the glory hole in the Literally.
2: bathroom.
1: Literally. <laughs> <laughs> no, not a, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> no, in my time you were going outside. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, well, yes. it's going one of two ways. <laughs> yes. But dudes regularly... Dads left restaurants and fought in the parking lot where yeah. I grew up. Yeah. It was very... You could not stare at someone in the face, and then if they stared back and you held it, that was a fuck you, you'll look away. So I was getting over a lot of, like, these men just staring at me. And then I look at him like, what's up? Right. And then they just hold because they're watching TV. But I'm looking at a person. That was really uncomfortable. I'm like, I felt like I was getting in a fight all the time.
3: Wow, yeah. Again, it's your subjective experience becomes very different. Like, the world changes in... The way the world treats you is different. And so all of the normal cues that you're used to reading and and understanding don't apply to your life anymore. So you have to kind of relearn everything. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And you're like kind of predicting interactions that now have this way different spin to them than all the other versions you've had. But again, look, we obviously can't complain about it, nor would you want to.
3: We're not complaining. I think we're observing what it's like. I feel good about that.
1: The your experience, experience
0: is still your experience,
3: right? No, we're ex- we're I guess explaining the experience. Yeah, yeah. And we're all prisoners of our fucking subjective exactly. experience. Exactly. You know, no we, matter who you are, we know what we know, and we're blind to what we're blind yeah. to.
0: I could see it making someone really paranoid and making their world very, very, very small.
3: That's a real thing. That's very, very true in my experience. And in fact, I, the people who get famous younger, I've noticed they get pushed into a smaller experience. I remember the first time I met George Clooney a long time ago, he said, how you doing? And I was like, I'm okay, man. And yeah. and he was like, don't let him keep you inside. Oh, wow. And when we subsequently worked together on Ocean's Eleven, I said, that really was profound and wonderful what you said to me, and he goes, yeah. Well, I should footnote it. He said, Paul Newman said it to me when he met me. Oh, wow. You That's know, a good tip. It's a great tip. Right? Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, Come what may, don't let it... Yeah, keep it, living. Right, right. Yeah, because I have another friend who recently said something I thought was great, was, which was just say yes. Mm. He goes, you know what's going to happen when you say no. You're going to stay in your house. Uh-huh. So say yes to life. When someone says, hey, do you want to go do this? yes.
1: Uh-huh. I
3: do. I'd have no fucking idea what's going to happen, but something's going to happen yeah. and it's called living your life. Yeah.
1: Can I tell you one of the most unforeseen aspects of getting sober that I would have never accounted for was I went on my first vacation sober and within an hour I was like, "Oh my goodness, what does one do on vacation?" Cuz all I would do is like I'd order a drink which would turn into 15, which would turn to me meeting people, which would turn into me going somewhere. Like, I never had a plan on a vacation. I would just order a Jack and Die and then the fucking vacation took off. But as a sober dude, I was like, I don't want to sit by this pool forever. I don't want to talk to anyone sober. I don't want to like, what the fuck am I doing here? You're with like, you're at someone's house in Jamaica and you're like, what the fuck? Who are are you? you?" It's lovely. So you got to kind of force yourself to like re-engage in that behavior without the other thing. Right. Which is like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Probably
3: regret this, but I'll say yes.
1: Oh my God! Kristen was doing press in Cancun, Mexico, for a movie, and I went with her. And during the day, she had a driver. And I'm like, I heard there's a great restaurant downtown in the heart of Cancun. So I go with the driver. We're chatting the whole way. Very friendly guy. He's, oh yes, I've heard of this place. It's the greatest. Everyone loves it. And I said, Did you have you ever eaten here? And he said, uh, No, no, no. And I said, Well, come in. Let's eat together. So we have this lunch together. It's really lovely. And then so by the time we leave, we're bros now. And he says, I'd love to introduce you to my girlfriend. I'm like, perfect. So we go to this house and I meet this woman in the middle of Cancun. And she doesn't know who I am at all, but he's telling her to Google me. So she Googles me. And just by seeing that many images came up, she got excited. And then can we take a picture? Yes, there's no really to stand. Will you sit down and she'll sit? Anyways, it's just all kind of like I just kind of come to, right? And there's this young woman in a skirt (laughs) sitting on my lap. And I'm in this little house in Cancun. I was like, well, you could write any story based on this photo. It's very incriminating. And I got back and I had to tell Kristen, like, so look, through this many turns of events, I ended up in a very tiny house with a young woman on my lap in a photo and who knows if that gets out <laughs>
0: uh, another thing to make you paranoid there might be pictures <laughs> of you who knows in this house
1: holding a woman i never
2: met <laughs> stay <laughs> tuned for more armchair expert if you dare
1: we are supported by zip Recruiter. are there some fantastic concerts coming to your city this summer Mine too. In fact, Anderson Pack's playing at the Hollywood Bowl. I can't wait Ooh, for
0: it. Ooh, that's exciting.
1: Visit BetterHelp.com/Dax today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P.com/Dax. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. Okay, so one brother or two? One. And you're younger. Yeah. How much younger? Three years. Okay. Parents got divorced at two. Mm-hmm. I was
3: three. I have a five-year-old older brother. Okay. Mom raised you, right? Yeah. And my dad was very much there, but we would go every Tuesday night, every other weekend. It was one of those. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah.
1: And the neighborhood you lived in was it was it hard scrabble? Would we say? Yeah, it was a blue collar neighborhood. Yeah, and so. I don't know. In my blue collar neighborhood, like manliness was everything. And I didn't have a dad around going like you're on track, son. So I was very drawn to like whatever boys were doing. I was just insatiable for that male approval. Mm -hmm. And I wondered if you experienced any of that.
3: No, my dad was such a part of our lives that I wasn't seeking that out elsewhere. Okay. We played a lot of sports. I was an artsy kid. I loved doing theater and, and we lived in kind of a what we called a co op house, kind of like a commune. It was like six families inside. Yeah. 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 So it was a triple decker, but it was like a double wide tri- triple decker. Right, right, right. You know? right, so right. There were six families yeah. instead of three. It was like the Hot Wheels container you put the cars in. Exactly. <laughs> it turned exactly. Up, so it's yeah. A <laughs> massive rectangular box of joy kind of a hippie kind of lefty but in a real a real neighborhood all kinds of people and i mean it was idyllic in a lot of ways it was yeah really it was really wonderful and did you think your brother was the coolest guy on the planet he was definitely the coolest he was actually the coolest guy on the yeah, planet he so. actually was this yeah. this is the one guy who was yeah <laughs> and the difference for me i think then from, from you is the three-year difference what that allowed was when i got to high school he was a senior Right. So I was like, protected. Yeah, were you? Yeah, it was three thousand kids in that school. It was a tough school, and right. I was a little kid, and uh, you were, yeah, till my junior year. Oh, really? Yeah.
1: the first time I see you in my life is um school ties, which I loved, right. And it's a Brandon Fraser vehicle. Sure. That's his movie. Yeah, absolutely. And then there's this guy. This guy is so good looking and he's in such good shape. I remember as a boy who you were five years old, I'm like, look at this fucking body. It really? Geez. Yeah. So I assumed you just looked like a <laughs> gymnast your whole life a gymnast <laughs> in that movie you look That's like a, a gymnast I guess so yeah, yeah yeah you got the deltoids and your fucking jack last <laughs> the whole nine i haven't seen it in 30 years i would years, love man. to sit with you and watch it Because uh, i would pause it with a laser pointer and you are looking as good as a human body can look in
3: that well i was fucking 20 years old man i mean oh, you know you were doing I turned i turned 21 on that movie and did you work out a lot for the movie. Yeah. For the movie. For the movie. So that movie, School Ties, I don't know how many times we auditioned, but we must have auditioned twenty-five times. Uh-huh. And it was like one of those things you get pulled in with groups and was, you know, and Chris O'Donnell's in the movie, yeah. Cole Hauser's in the movie. Ben and I both tried for Brendan's part. Everyone tried for Brendan's part. And then they go, No, maybe you're better for this guy. Maybe you're better for this guy. We did screen tests at Paramount. I'll never oh, forget. wow. It was a big deal. And then they found Brendan. That was another one because Chris got sent of a woman before School Ties came out. And so the press packet on School Ties was all about Brendan and Chris. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so again, I'm like, I got overlooked on that. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was yeah. like, I remember going like, I'm into this
1: dude. I really like this dude. And he's the bad guy, but I'm kind of drawn to him. Oh, that's good. When did you did it start with Goodwill for yeah, you? Yeah,
0: I was in eighth grade. Okay. That was my intro. Uh-huh. That was my intro. <laughs> but then I went back. Then I did all. You did all do school time. Yes. Because he's great
1: in it, and the body's of off the charts. You should know <laughs> since you don't listen
0: to the show, just so you don't feel uncomfortable. Dax loves male bodies. It's not just it's yours. Not, okay. I, yeah,
1: I have a calendar here with all my favorite male yeah, bodies. Yeah, there's lots yeah. of male bodies is, in there for him. Again, the whole guy thing and not a dad. Like, <laughs> like I thought Schwarzenegger looked great. <laughs> like, oh, that's a great way to look. <laughs> we were kind of jaded. I mean, we were in the first era of people that saw action stars. They didn't look like humans anymore. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably that
1: you're like I mean, Bronson was killing people and, and, sure, and Clint yeah. Eastwood. These are the guys that like rained hell on folks. But right. they weren't jacked.
3: No, 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 no. No. And then the freakish workout thing of the eighties just Yeah.
1: And anabolic steroids they really became <laughs> Right. That that marriage <laughs> yeah it's a good combo <laughs> when done in tandem it really
3: yields right. results <laughs>
1: we
0: have to ask what percentage do you believe in the simulation
3: yes great question oh quite a bit
1: okay, okay yeah because yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. how
0: could you and ben both have been in that movie school time like how could it all well ben out didn't make
3: it we were... ben didn't make it no he's in it oh he is yeah,
1: yeah. he's got a small
3: part he's, oh. he's one of the six guys Okay.
1: Yeah, um,
2: exactly. I there's a my weird stuff. parallel,
1: though, because I'm now remembering that Ben was also the dickhead in... Um, Days and Confused. Days yeah. and Confused. Yeah. So you guys kind of both... Got in, yeah. Got in playing door. dickheads, yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. And you're both so nice. <laughs> uh, well, you, yeah, yeah. you're nicer than him, I think. I'm so much nicer than <laughs> him you are, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: Well, Monica's in love with both of you, like head over heels.
1: Had yeah. posters, it's, has read
2: but every it's interview. Tied.
3: Well, my wife, in fact, she was a Ben fan after, oh! yeah, before we met, oh! and her best friend was on my Your team. Your team. And so ah. we still, we still joke about that. I'm like, I've always got Eileen if yeah. if <laughs> as a backup if plan. As a backup, if Lucy fucks me
1: over. <laughs> I mean, oh, that's great. It's really fun how us on the outside like here's what happened to me i saw goodwill hunting i fucking loved it the fact that you guys wrote it but i don't know in my
3: head i made it that you wrote it
1: <laughs> i don't know why because, i just did because
3: I'm like, i played the smart guy in the movie i, I, that I think, I think that happened that yeah. was actually a thing in fact it was actually kind of painful snl at the time did a skit and i was doing rounders in new york and i was in my apartment, rented apartment sitting there and and i would watch saturday night live because i loved it yeah And I turned it on and there was a skit. And and all I remember about the skit was like, I was writing the whole movie and Ben was like, they played him like a caveman. (laughs) Oh, God.
2: Like like just,
3: and he was just sitting there like doing hammer curls. And I was like, this is, but it was like, it was so deeply offensive. Right, right, right. Uh, Sure. Anyway. anyway. You're
1: right. That has to be (laughs) why I thought that. Just because yeah. the
3: character was a genius. And because I was the lead of the movie. So people are like, oh, well, you must have done everything. You and went to Harvard. He, did he go to Harvard?
1: No. No. So no. that was another element. I'm like, oh, this guy went to Harvard. He he's a genius, right? And he yeah, was a genius really in the not. movie, <laughs> and he so he wrote the whole thing, right? And right.
3: the tall guy's getting some of the credit.
0: Oh right. God! <laughs> That's what you I'm were, just but you were also probably feeling
3: intimidated by Ben. Yes, yes. In, in, intimidated because at Rob. least uh, by me, because well, I'm taller than him.
0: <laughs> I'm sure yeah. I said
2: that
3: at some point when I was jealous of you. Yeah, fucking shrimp.
0: The guy's that a good so actor. Good.
2: He's a
1: good actor. Short guy.
2: Yeah, yeah. Short, short little guy. Little guy. Little Matty Damon. Yeah, I He's a
1: Good actor. That kid. Yeah, pretty good. Little
0: fella. <laughs> was that an issue for him was he like i want to be the i mean maybe that's a question for him but like <laughs> maybe i want to be the lead you know what i mean like how did you guys decide this only when
3: you're writing uh, it? literally only because i had started it in a playwriting class oh, and so right. i'd written what it ended up being one scene survived from the 40 pages that i brought to ben like about six pages survived wow and but everything else we just redid everything but i'd Come up with the characters. And the characters right. were like yeah, yeah, yeah. this is the smart guy and this is the guy and this is his best friend. And what we really would would have done if we could have was just write a movie about the young guys. The
0: two guys, yeah.
3: But we needed to get it made. Yeah. So we needed to have a part that attracted a movie star. And that was how we ended up with the therapist. And Yeah. yeah. Are you at
1: a point that you can evaluate the gift, and you probably have always been this way, you seem like a generous person, but the Gus Van Sant of it all? Oh, my God, yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, it's just a perfect storm, right? I yeah. mean, you guys are so fresh, and it's such a point of view, and it's so earnest and honest to your guys' experience, and then you add in this artist. Yeah. I have a bad example. I was watching Pee Wee Herman adventure with my kids the other day. They hated it, by the way. Don't show your children. And if you haven't already. I was watching, I was like, Tim Burton. Like, what are the odds that your Pee Wee Herman and, and then the director that gets put onto your thing is young Tim Burton? Yeah, who's about yeah. to be one of the greatest, most creative yeah. directors of all time. There's just some really wonderful sometimes things that happen. Yeah. And I would just say Gus Van Sant's part of
3: that, right? Just like a But not, a, not only part of that, I mean it's a director's medium. I mean, it is Gus's movie. I mean, we wrote it and we're in it, but like we had a whole kind of ceremonial thing where we literally handed him the, you know, because a, a screenplay is just a blueprint. It's the drawings for this beautiful house you're
2: building out here. Still building. This is
3: like Cheops and Pisa. <laughs> right, right,
1: exactly. <laughs> exactly.
3: So it can only be a director's movie. It's the buck has to stop with someone. And so it's Gus's movie. Yeah,
1: know. there's a heart that just throughout every single scene that is hard to capture on film
3: that has been done there perfectly. Yeah, we spent a lot of time with him and working on the script, taking all of his notes, and there was a lot of work in pre-production. He really knew the movie he was making when he... Well,
1: I was going to ask you if this is lore, and I promise we're going to stop asking you questions about the first movie you ever did, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's so impactful for both of us. I had heard through The Grapevine that there was a version of the script where you actually would go to work at NSA and you were, it became yeah, kind of yeah. an
3: espionage-y thing. Totally. Where you, right, that, it, that's yeah, true? Yeah, it was a lot more like kind of Midnight Run, which was another movie that we loved. Yes. It had like Beverly Hills Cop, like there were guys yeah. tailing Will around. Yeah. And yeah it was that was the script we sold. It was a high concept thing. And it, we went to Castle Rock, which was great that we did that because... Rob Reiner eventually came into one of these meetings and said, what's with this whole... NSA thing. Oh my God! And we were like, you know, because that's the you know
2: (laughs) the movie you guys want to make. Midnight
3: Run, Beverly Hills Guy. And he was like, this other stuff is really, I think, the movie. And and so we resisted it at first because we went home, we took out all of that stuff, and we had sixty pages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were like, what the fuck are we gonna do? Like, yeah. And that's when we had the whole conversation. Well, what movie do you want on the mantle? Because we were like, well, this movie, no one's gonna see the this one. Yeah. But we were like, Mm. but this is what we really want to do. Yeah. And they're giving us permission to do it.
1: Well, he probably, Rob, identified that the part of the movie that he liked was the part that was your story. You right. Got- the rest of it was totally team. derivative yeah. <laughs> of other yeah, movies yeah, that yeah. we liked, right? Sure, of course. Yeah. Yeah. That's another weird blessing. like Because I got to imagine at that age, if it's not Rob Reiner that says that, you guys might not listen. Right. Like, yeah. what another gift that... Simulation, Simulation. Is, it, right.
0: Simulation-y. simulation you are living in Simula, one. We're, we're Fucking living in cold.
3: one. Yeah. Fucking we're cold. living in one. You want to hear You want to hear a crazy idea? Yes. Yeah. So I talked to Demis Asabas a few years ago. Is that He's the guy who does DeepMind. The big AI big, thing? The big AI thing. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. I had this conversation with him, and I asked him about simulation. <laughs> uh-huh. And he said, well, it's interesting. It's an interesting question. I can tell you that I have built the most complex simulation... Uh, on planet earth and he goes something's going on
2: and I was like whoa oh my god oh wow he
3: started to explain that he found that primitive earth was kind of the best you know about 10,000 AI was kind of the right number and they kind of formed tribes and you'd need opposable thumbs like suddenly you needed all of the same things that kind of we are Mm. uh huh and he said look if we build simulations to kind of solve our problems right to kind of model things things, Yeah. yeah So if this is a simulation, then we are the AI. Yeah. Right. Yes. And he goes, so just imagine if we ever become advanced enough to hack our way out of this. He goes, because what if the creator we're confronted with is more simple than we are?
1: Which, by the way, will be our future. Yes. We will eventually create things that we don't understand. Or It's already probably happened. Right. Oof. Good stuff. Well, because we, good brain melting stuff. Yeah, we we talk about it nonstop. And we actually did a specifically just simulation episode. And it's, yeah, hard to lock into what one you believe in. Like, either you're real and everyone else around you is sim. The current theory we left with is like, what if this is one of the 10 million models that are being run to, to figure out how to deal with climate change? Mm-hmm. like currently wherever this thing was invented they're dealing with climate change so they ran 10 billion models to see if anyone could solve it and we're just one of the models that's trying to solve it. and it happens for the computer in a second right. but for us it's just this 80 year ride I started really
3: thinking about it when uh, in 2016 when in the course of a month the Cubs won the World Series and Donald Trump was elected <laughs> president <laughs> yes, I was yeah, like yeah. come on okay. yes, this ain't yes. happening
1: <laughs> this isn't real yeah. you know what my final piece of proof I've decided where I'll believe wholeheartedly It's simulation is I keep watching 60 Minutes and they keep interviewing people at MIT that seem to have shut down aging. They're doing it in mice, right? Mm-hmm. They're erasing part of the epigenome that turns off genes. Yeah. And in doing that, they bring them back to their like 20-year-old self. And they've done it. They do it. They have reversed aging in mice. They have it with mice, yeah. Yes. So my thing is like, if I find out in a few years that I'm gonna be living forever, that's the time to go like, all right, guys, what were the odds that in 150,000 years of human being
3: here, I was born in the year where you could turn your aging off. It's funny. I had that conversation with my dad before he died because I was like, can you imagine the, the cruel irony if we are the last two generations? Like yeah. if, you, if you laid out, there's some statistic, like if you laid out playing cards to represent the history of the earth, mm-hmm. right, you would stretch them for like 10 miles, right? And the, decks of cards one after you know, playing cards would go for 10 miles and, or a mile whatever it is mm-hmm. human beings human life would represent one piece of the last card Yeah, that you put down there yeah there's the yeah. geological calendar they do too or it's like
1: if you overlay 5 billion years of history into a 365 day calendar that's right humans that's arrive, right.
3: Ar- arrive at 1159
1: Ooh. p.m. on, on the, December on the 31st final
2: day right exactly yes yeah, and you're yeah, like yeah. oh
3: okay right exactly so <laughs> in, working with that kind of time scale what are the odds that that we are the generation that understands that aging is going to be reversed, but dies before it happens to us. Yes! Like, is that epically bad luck? Yeah, like you're on your (laughs) deathbed, and you're you're drifting "Ah." off,
1: and on TV, there's a line of people getting vaccinated for aging, and you're like,
3: "Ah." fuck! Almost made
1: it. Talk about, like, watching the bus drive away. You didn't make it. Right, right. (laughs) Oh, that's cruel. Okay, I'm going to seamlessly apply that to your career by saying, despite these setbacks up until Goodwill hunting, I don't know that I've observed a career, maybe a handful, that it seems you've chosen right. Like, I mean, impossibly so for the last 20 years, where as soon as Goodwill hunting happened, you certainly got offered the lead of many things and for five times the price you had just made that's so fucking tempting and then yet you're taking more supporting roles you're doing all these things that i want to know how you have that kind of
3: foresight so well, in some ways i got lucky like before goodwill hunting came out ben and i each got offered movies he got offered armageddon i got offered saving private ryan we would have done either one right right i mean i would have happily done armageddon he would have happily done private ryan but there was something about because i had done the rainmaker with coppola yeah in one calendar year, I had a Coppola movie, a Spielberg movie, and Goodwill Hunting come out, yeah, Gus's yeah. movie. So it was just, like, fucking you got lucky. Yeah, yeah, just incredibly lucky. And yeah. then, But you could have definitely mismanaged that. Many people have. And I did. I made movies that didn't work. But as long as one out of every three of them kind of worked... If you uh, got two in the bank, yeah. Right. Or, then yeah, then yeah. you can kind of keep... They, they let you keep going. And then I had a lull right before Bourne came out in, like, 2002 where the phone stopped ringing, and it was like, oof.
1: Can I ask really quick in those moments, what kind of story do you tell about your life? Are you like, yep, knew that was going to happen? Or?
3: No, no, actually, by that point, I was like, well, I wrote my way out of obscurity. And I can I'm, do I'm, it again. Yeah, I can do it again, yeah. and, and I'm in a much better spot than I was five years ago, so right. I'm okay. Oh, that's good. So I, there was never any panic. Like, I better take this big, shitty movie because... I'll never work again if I don't. Like, I didn't have that feeling. I kind of felt like, oh, it's okay. It'll suck not to be offered stuff anymore, but I can still try to figure something out Yeah. and hustle. But then the Bourne movie, that was a huge, like... It was like an inoculation, like where I knew I had another Bourne movie in two years. Yeah. And so I was really free to do whatever... I, that I, is I, I so
1: nice yeah it's kind of like you had a safety net
3: for 14 years i mean certainly up until 07 it, 2002 to 2007 were the three movies okay and then we did another one five years ago right and then i mean i had the departed in there in yeah. that yeah, time, like, yeah, yeah 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 you know yeah. where it's like you get called from scorsese it's like a dream <laughs> it's pretty bonkers who directed the firstborn uh what's doug it? lyman yeah. yeah lyman yeah he didn't direct all three no, he directed the first one, and then yeah. Paul Greengrass directed
1: the next one. I was thinking, to be in a franchise, you're in a weird way, you're kind of like on a TV show. Because when you're on a TV show, which I was on once for six years, you're in this weird dynamic where every week you have a new guest director coming in. Right. Sometimes they've seen the show, sometimes they haven't, and they're just lying. And you're in this bizarre position where you as the actor probably know the show better than the director mm-hmm. does. And so there's like, the trust is a little harder. And I just wonder what it's like to have done the firstborn. It's so wildly great in so many ways and successful. And then someone else comes in. Do you feel the sense of like, I know what this thing is?
3: No. You
1: didn't? Not at all. Oh, not at really?
3: All. No, we struggled with the first one. We were over budget. We were over schedule. That's kind of a Doug move, though. Yeah, yeah. He kind of works beautifully in chaos, it seems. He does. I love him, and I would work with him again in a New York minute. I love Doug. Yeah. And he's a great director. Yeah. But he's just, he does thrive in chaos. Like, yeah. cre- creatively, like, that's his jam. Like, he's great, <laughs> like, better than anybody I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. I in, love that. In chaos, and he gets great stuff because of that. Yeah. But when it came time to do the second one, the studio was like, they didn't want to go through that again with them. right? And so they started asking about other directors, and I saw Bloody Sunday. And Paul, for a director of that caliber, Doug or Paul or any of those guys, they have to, it's not an assignment where they come in and go, like, hey, I'll direct this one. It's like, this is a year of my life. It's going to be their movie. Wait, yeah, absolutely. It's, yeah, yeah. it's what do I want to say with it? How does it fit into my body of work? Yeah. I remember Paul came to Prague and had dinner with me. I was shooting a movie there, and he came and... That was the first time, like I'd sat down with him, and I mean, he's a brilliant, brilliant guy, and yeah. he comes out of journalism, and yeah, just an incredible guy. But those movies were very much Paul's. Okay, as you're like
1: building, without your full awareness, this huge body of work was the driving force, like. I want to try playing that. I want to try playing this. Or was it, I want to work with that director? Or yeah, it's it? the latter.
3: Yeah, the latter.
1: That's such a smart way to go. My ego was like, I want to be a tough guy in a movie. <laughs> I don't care who directs it.
3: <laughs> no, I could have done better roles. I would have been probably perceived to be a better actor, but I wouldn't be a better actor. I'm a better actor because I went for the director. Yeah. Yeah, Always, yeah. It's also kind of egoless.
1: Like I applaud it.
0: No, it ends up being very rewarding because then he's in Scorsese movies. He's in Soderbergh movies. It's like with Kristen being so generous, the money just keeps coming because she keeps giving it out. It's a weird weird reversal.
1: For every dollar she makes, she gives two away and then two comes back. Yeah, Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. I don't understand
1: it. Well, I you know
3: I did the episode of House of Lies because you're friends with Cheadle. Yeah, I'm, I'm friends with Don, and we had too much wine one night and and started <laughs> spitballing ideas. And like that show was a really we couldn't believe we didn't get in more trouble for that. Like it's <laughs> so. We were uh-huh. trying to be like, create the most offensive version of me as we could. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, Don's yeah. like the consultant I'm hiring to like get me out of this jam because I'm yeah. such a fucking asshole. Yes, 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 And we had so much fun. But I got to be with those four when they worked together. It was so fun. And the generosity amongst them yeah, like yeah, yeah, and yeah. watching them improvise. I didn't understand. I'd heard Don talk about it, but... Going down and being a part of that and watching that happen, like the script was like out the window and it was all about them and they knew exactly what they were doing. They were all so good, and they are all leaving so much space for each other. Can we single it, out Josh Lawson? Yeah, yeah, I love Josh. God, what a guy! <laughs> yeah,
1: infuriatingly funny.
3: Yeah, but the, I felt like they were like a great band. Yes, no one played the
1: same instrument. In no, nope, the they never
3: stepped on each other's toes. They left room for each other, and they all knew when one person was going to solo. And they were like, yeah. but together, it was like it was just super fun to watch.
1: It totally was. It totally was. And then Cheadle gives it this thing that can't mm-hmm. any no one can give it. Yeah. They yeah. used to call it, you know, his fucking speeches on that show would be like flipping pages. the page, like four pages, and they would call it getting cheatled. Like, if you, oh, fuck, <laughs> I got cheatled this week. I got like a three and a half page fucking bullshit monologue <laughs> that makes no sense.
2: Uh, that's great.
0: <laughs> but that's kind of how Oceans felt. I know you guys weren't improvising, but it really felt so flowy and that you guys were all in your own exact space. I love that movie. Too. We
3: were really relaxed because we were used to headlining movies and having all this pressure. Yeah. <laughs> and suddenly it was like oh i just come up i'm gonna breeze through this scene yeah I what number line. were you on the call sheet in that movie i was probably three or four yeah that's been it had been a i mean there was while, george probably. and brad julia i mean i was probably four maybe Man. five yeah i don't know it's uh, kind of nice yeah. right it was great and no egos like that particular group of people too mm. were like we, we all realized really quickly that like when you got called to set like the goal was to get there five minutes early because if you showed up on time, you were the last person, and wow. and it was a standing ovation every time, <laughs> oh. right? And you were and you Mister Big Time. Oh,
2: uh. God, it's all
1: gone oh, to your that, head.
0: What a great yeah working sometimes, environment.
2: Sometimes
3: she, they like big dogs can neutralize each other in a great way. But none of those guys are like big dog guys. Right, right. They're just not. Like yeah. I mean, I don't know how many movies I've done with George. Now he's directed me a bunch, and yeah. I mean, it's just he's just so nice. He's just. And Brad couldn't be more normal. Like I've never seen, like you talk about the surreality of like fame. I've never seen anybody get it like Brad. Oh. Nothing fucking close. And Jerry Weintraub even said it to me. I remember we were in London. And he was like, every generation, there's one guy. (laughs) And he was like, I was there with Elvis. I was there with, you know, Sinatra. He really had been with all these people. And he was like, Brad's the guy. And I've never seen somebody who less put out the vibe of wanting that.
2: I (laughs) know, I know. Like he couldn't
3: be It actually seems impossible
1: when you meet him that it could have happened to him. Right. Right? In right. some weird way. In some
3: weird way, because he's just such a, a... A dude. A dude.
0: Just happens to be perfect looking, yeah.
3: Yeah, I don't know, because I've been very lucky in that regard. Like, I've been afforded kind of more privacy than most people get. Yeah. And I look at people like him, Ben to a certain degree, but nobody to the extent that Brad... I mean, yeah. I've been in... Situa- Lucy and I were in a situation with Brad in 2004 in Monaco, where we had to show up for the Grand Prix. And if George and Brad and I showed up for the Grand Prix, they were going to put oceans 12 on the side of the jaguar car
2: (laughs) oh my god
3: and it was one of these jerry weintraub things where apparently it costs like a billion dollars to put signage on these cars because so many people are watching yeah and jerry calls him up and goes "Uh, hello jaguar you're gonna you're (laughs) gonna put oceans (laughs) oceans 12 on the side of your car and they're like no we're not like that's it's 50 million dollars or whatever yeah yeah and he goes no the guys are gonna show up because by the time I'm done with you, every <laughs> photographer in Europe is going to be in your garage, and they're like, "We're not oh doing God. that." And he goes, "Then he goes, then they're all going to be at Michael Schumacher Ferrari. You know, you can go fuck yourself." And they're like, "All right," and they go, "But we've already sold the signage. Where do we put it?" And he goes, "You got that spot where the Jaguar is. Why don't you? Why don't you just?" that big empty space put it there and they go but that's the jag it's an empty space with a jaguar in it. and he goes by the time i'm done with you everyone's gonna know it's a jaguar oh so anyway they went for it and they gave us this real estate for free on the side of oh the car. God. but we had to come in by boat and walk the track for like a quarter mile to get to this garage and i've never still to this day i mean for every premiere oscar anything i've ever been to I've never seen anything as crazy. I mean it was it was like being in a tornado and it was all around Brad. And I mean, literally, I, like, I've told this story before because, like, Lucy and I got armbarred like four times by security, <laughs> oh. and we're like, "No, no, we're, we're with, we're with Mr. Pitt."
0: Like, <laughs> but Brad,
3: Brad was walking in the middle of this, and it was the same summer that Troy came out. Oh, and, like geez. it was like peak Pitt, peak Brad, and oh, like
0: man. when is it not peak? He,
3: yeah, <laughs> and he's walking, and I remember he had this little Leica that he carried, and he he, he was holding it up and like taking pictures over his head of all the crazy people yeah and i looked at him and i was like that dude's pulse is definitely below 50 right, now. <laughs> yeah, right. Wow. like this is not i was like it's a dangerous situation uh, uh, it's He's, a dangerous situation yeah. lucy and i weren't married then we were just boyfriend and girlfriend but i like we talked later i was like how fucked up was that and i was like did you see brad and she was like yeah and i'm like this wasn't even top 10 for that guy oh. yeah 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 right 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 this doesn't make his memory probably this doesn't make, on the deathbed he doesn't remember this no
1: I got to tell you a really two-second funny story. So Bradley Cooper was in a movie. I want to say it was like Failure to Launch or something. He was like sixth lead of the movie. He brings his cousin from Philadelphia out to take him to the movie premiere. He kind of wants to big time it, and he gets out of the car and he gets on the red carpet and he's like he's walking down the red carpet and all of a sudden everyone starts going ape shit. And he's like Brad,
2: Brad, Brad, <laughs> Brad,
1: and Cooper starts responding. He's oh waving. He's like pointing at people. He's like keeps looking at his cousin like, check
2: this shit out, the whole
1: fucking crowd knows me. He is on top of the world, and then his cousin's like, fucking Brad Pitt's here. he turns around and they're all yelling like from a block away at Brad Pitt.
3: My favorite red carpet story was, was the one Cheadle told me like 20 years ago. I think he had done Devil in a Blue Dress. Every actor in town knew exactly who he was. They're like, this guy's amazing. Oh, unreal, yeah. But he got out, I think he was at. The, he went to the Oscars with Bridget, and he gets out, and he happens to get out, Share is right in front of him,
2: mm. <laughs> and
3: then Don and Bridget, and then Jack Nicholson comes up oh, behind, him. and so he goes. Ev- this thing erupts into like
2: Share, Jack, Jack, Share, Jack, Share, Cher, Jack.
3: I mean, he's like it's this cacophony, and he hears this one voice go, <laughs> Don Cheadle,
2: and he looks up
3: like really hopefully at this person. The guy goes.
2: Get out of the way! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, my God. The the way Don
3: tells that story, like, the guy's so fucking mad at him. Like, (laughs) you are fucking out of the way. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, That
1: reminds me, the first time I ever did Letterman, the first uh, guest was Tom Cruise, and I was the second guest, In the fucking town car pulls up to the Ed Sullivan Theater, and as I'm about to get out, there is barricades and there's probably a thousand people that have come to see Tom Cruise walk into the thing. So as my door opens to the SUV, the crowd just gets into a fervor. And then I step out and there was just this collective like, Ah, it's not him. Save your film. Like, every like to have a thousand people bummed out that you stepped out of a yeah. car the second before you go on Letterman just, for your oh first God. time. It's just like
2: uh, a really, for unique, that.
1: really unique feeling that's yeah. hard to relate to people. Uh, oh my God. What do
0: we think we can attribute that in Brad to? Like, how does he have that? Why? What's special?
3: I don't know. I mean, he's... Look, one thing I'll say, I think finally he's getting his due as an actor. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, but for years, like, I revered that guy as an actor, and nobody else did. It felt like... I don't think people understood how fucking good he was. They overlooked yeah, his ability. Yeah. They, yeah. they yeah. overlooked his ability yeah. because he is also incredible looking, and I remember watching a movie one of his movies maybe seven or something with mm. Ben 20 years ago going like you can't take your eyes off him. yeah yeah and there's yeah. so there's something about him being beautiful But interesting, like fucking Brando was like that, man. You just couldn't take your eyes off him. Yeah, yeah. If he was on screen, you were looking at him. Like some people have a quality where you can watch them walk down a street.
1: Right. We've watched De Niro walk for probably 20 cumulative minutes in Scorsese movies. Easily. And I want 40 more. Yeah, yeah. Like, let me just see this guy walk down the street and process what he's seeing.
2: Yeah. (laughs) I'm in. Stay tuned for more Armchair Expert, if you dare. We
1: are supported by Taco Bell. Ugh.
0: Oh, man. We often do two recordings a day and we have this little nice lunch break that we enjoy. And we're always craving something really yummy. Yes,
1: yeah, something fresh, something high quality, something like the all new cantina chicken menu from Taco Bell, which is mm.
0: exactly that. hmm It's so yummy. It has slow-roasted chicken, the pico, that purple cabbage, and an avocado verde salsa sauce. Oh, delicious.
1: Outrageous. The new Cantina Chicken Tacos, Burrito, and Quesadilla are the perfect daytime choice. Try the new Cantina Chicken menu at Taco Bell now we are supported by squarespace guys we have a squarespace website that it's just gorgeous that wabi-wabi you uh you built that yourself using all the templates yeah i sure did yeah easy peasy so easy Head to squarespace.com for a free trial and save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with the code DAX. We are supported by Men's Warehouse. When you wear a tailored Men's Warehouse outfit, it makes you feel confident, like you can do anything. Whether it's a snappy suit that makes you want to dance at a wedding like no one is watching, or a smart casual outfit that gives you the confidence to nail a job interview. Yep, you should give Men's Warehouse a shot, and here's why. Men's Warehouse is the only nationwide men's clothing store that has a tailor in every store to fit your suit, shirt, jeans, etc. to your bod. Men's Warehouse features clothes from the best brands in the fashion world like Vera Wang, Kenneth Cole, and Calvin Klein. Men's Warehouse isn't just suits, they have jeans, t-shirts, shoes, hats, and even underwear.
0: The tailoring is game-changing. It It really makes a huge difference in people's outfits if it's tailored to your body.
1: You could have a kabillion-dollar suit, and if it doesn't fit, it looks terrible.
0: Yeah, agreed.
1: Yeah, it's key. Men's Warehouse is everywhere with 600-plus locations nationwide, so if you need one, and you will, there's one near you. Feel like you can do anything in an outfit from Men's Warehouse. Visit your Men's Warehouse store or click or tap to shop online. I had one question about Oceans. What is that experience where you're coming off of all these movies and you're the lead and you're the movie star and then you come in and Brad's going to take the role of like the playboy. He's going to take the role of the most charismatic guy in the world. And then Clooney's going to take this role too, right? And then you're going to come in and play more of a nerdy role. Right. Was that like a relief or were you like, oh, it's so weird. There'll always be someone kind of ahead of me or there'll be someone you know what i'm saying yeah it's, it's yeah, a mildly yeah. offensive question but no,
3: no 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 i never kind of fancied myself a movie star you didn't like no i was i always felt like i was a character actor and but you're and so I good looking and, too you're no, too good dude. looking for a character but i'd been in the real world long enough yeah, to yeah. know that like look there's a difference i don't know
1: <laughs> i don't th- i have the image of you getting in the fight on the playground and will hunting first of all you look great you look like you've been in fights I don't know if you have, but it, you, right, you, you, you did it. Basketball court. You basketball did it. The basketball court. Yeah. What did I say? Field?
0: Playground, which is crazy. Okay, well, Sorry. it's inner city basketball to, court. It's kind of the playground. Anyways,
1: let's not get hung up on that. Totally look real. You look like a dude who can fucking throw right, and you're gorgeous. But there's always a Brad Pitt.
3: There is, yeah. Mm. And the quicker you accept that, <laughs> the, <laughs> the happier, the you'll, happier be. you'll be. <laughs> I've seen actors and been in close quarters with actors who wanted to be the thing that they weren't. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's painful.
1: Yeah. All right. One of our favorite movies of yours, which I don't know that was many people's favorites, The Informant. Yeah. You are incredible in The Informant. That is one of my favorite comedies
3: ever made. Thanks, man. I'm really proud of it. And it's actually, Stephen said that it's one of two movies out of sight being the other, that he wouldn't change a frame of.
0: Oh, that's that's awesome. That he's done.
1: It is so
3: good. The way you string out
1: that runner of how much money he stole, (laughs) I I can't (laughs) believe what a funny joke that is. And your delivery, like I need people to understand comedically what you're doing there because... You're so sincere every time. Right. Every time you tell it, I think that, well, that's the last time I'm going to hear that number. That was the actual right. number right. that he's telling. Right. And it right. keeps getting more and more... Pop- guys, I- guys. <laughs> <laughs> that's one of my all-time favorite jokes in a movie. I mean, Thanks, it just man. kept every yeah. fucking
3: 12 minutes we found out another number. <laughs> yeah. and it
1: just wouldn't stop.
3: The unreliable narrator is <laughs> a really fun oh device. Oh, my God. But it was also, like, Scott Burns wrote it. Awesome, like, amazing screenwriter. <laughs> and then Steven just really was dialed in, like... One of my favorite stories on that movie was there was a day that we shot in the courthouse where he actually stood up and made a speech to the community at, before his sentencing. Uh huh. And we shot what he said. And the first thing we did was kind of a wide of me standing up. And it was all the actors who were sitting in the gallery. Like, I had to apologize to the town, as Mark Whitaker did. And... I said it and I got choked up I didn't mean to but it just happened and Stephen said cut and he kind of walked over and I sat down at my defense table and he kind of came and sat on the table and kind of tripped his glass up and goes no (laughs) and I was like what? I was like fuck you no (laughs) (laughs) No. I was like that "That shit was real man I I, I was like what are you talking about no and he was like He's like, no, 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 the scene in a vacuum, the scene's fine. He goes, you're just in the wrong movie. And I go, okay, okay. That's a hard note to give in here. And I said, put me in the right movie. And he sat there and he thought about it for about 10 seconds. And then he nods and he goes... Do it as if it's an awards acceptance speech. Oh, baby. What a
1: great fucking... And I was like, of course. Yeah. Of course.
3: This is his <laughs> big moment.
1: <laughs> yes. Like, fuck. He's Will I Hunting.
3: He's waiting for America to this, recognize to yeah. that yeah. Recognize he's, he's... right. Yes. Yes. So it's that whole scene where I'm like, Wow. You know, like looking at everybody and it's like
2: everybody's here
3: to see this. You know what I mean? And it's like, but that's great directing, right? That's really great directing, right? That's really understanding the story you're telling. Because as well as I knew that story, as well as I knew that character, I fucked it up. I fucked sure, it. I, I mean, sure, I sure, showed sure. up with the wrong angle of attack on the scene. I did it as best I could. It was good. Another director would have been like, "Ooh, I should just keep that. Yep. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Right. But
1: by the way, within this lies the ever-present conflict between an actor and a director, which is the director is looking at the global thing and the actor is looking at the moment. So the moment may be totally truthful to the actor, but it might not be the right piece of the global story that's, that's right. being told. That's And right. that's
3: a hard thing for actors to stomach. It can be, especially when they have a kind of a virtuosic moment and they go, but that was so— And they don't
1: have Soderbergh right.
3: Saying, saying— Right.
1: Like, I don't know if you heard this story. I, I found this to be one of the most fascinating things I ever saw. It was, it was an interview during There Will Be Blood Press between Paul and Daniel Day-Lewis, and it's on Charlie Rose— I know we're not allowed to say his name anymore, but alas, that's where the interview was. And Charlie says, I heard a story that you guys threw out the first week of filming. Is that true? Mm -hmm. And you can see both of them don't want to talk about this Mm -hmm. because they're both they're who they are. And they don't want to bastardize the process by sharing it. But they do tell the story that they shot the movie for an entire week. Paul said to Daniel Day-Lewis, I'd like you to come watch Dailies. And Daniel Day-Lewis said, I don't watch Dailies. And Paul Uh said, I know you don't, but I'm asking you to. He shows him the full first week of dailies. Uh And then he turns to him and he says, I don't think your character works. Wow. And I think, where does someone get the confidence to tell Daniel Day-Lewis that his interpretation is wrong? Because for us, if anyone would know, it would be Daniel Day-Lewis.
3: Except, except it would be also be Paul Thomas (laughs) Thomas Anderson. Look, it goes back. It's a director's medium. But can you imagine telling telling Daniel Day Lewis,
1: like, hey,
3: yes, and you sit through a whole week? Yes, I can. I can because that's what you have to do. Ben was editing one of his movies and he showed it to Terrence Malick, and Terry said, "I'm going to talk to you as if it's surgeon to surgeon, Mm. and there's a body on the table right now." Nice. And that's the way you have to think of it. This is not personal. It's about what we're doing. And when the hood is up on the car and, and we're fixing it, then it's all fair game. Nothing's yeah. personal. Yeah. If you invite me to your premiere, I'm going to hug you and tell <laughs> you it was the fucking best thing I've ever seen. Yeah, you did yeah. it again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? God damn. But if you invite me to see a rough cut, you're like, hey, man, I'm snow blind right now. I need help. I need another set of eyes on this. Then that's yeah. what you need. And that's the respect for what we do. I have this conversation with people who ask me
1: to read their script and I say, before I read it, I need to know, do you want me to pat you on the back at the end for accomplishing this? Because it is a huge accomplishment. Right. Or do you want me to help you make it better? I just need to know before I tell you. Yeah, And that kind of backdoors them into having to say, no, I want notes. They right. don't. They just want to hear a great job. We never as want I, notes. No, <laughs> no, no, we're allergic <laughs> yeah. to notes.
3: No, no, wait, no. To be fair, I get the, you did it again. <laughs>
0: <Yes>. but, <laughs> yes, yeah. but
3: with my group of friends, it's never that easy.
0: Was there ever a time when being connected to Ben felt annoying? I'm sure at this point you don't feel that, probably, because you guys have had such a long
1: I agree. He keeps bringing him up, and I think for me, this could
3: have been a stumbling block over the years. Like, I want my own thing. I mean, it's been 40 years. I mean... There was a time when I felt such righteous anger around the way he was treated in the press. Yeah. yeah the yeah, way yeah. he and, and Jennifer Lopez were treated in the press 20 years ago or yeah. 18 years ago, whenever that was. I couldn't believe how different the perception was versus who he actually was. Right. And, and just the kind of casual way which people kind of dissed him and her. Yeah. It was just really ugly. And really unfair. Like, he's one of the smartest people I've ever met in my life. I think it would be a good question for him if he came and talked to you guys. Like, did he feel the need to go, like, be a director on it? Like, win best picture. Do all this stuff that was totally disconnected from me Right. to just go, like, By the way, this is who I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Kiss my ass. Yes, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like, just by the nature of the job, like, we only can work together so often, but... So I never felt like I was over-connected to him. But I certainly felt, like, going back to your point about Goodwill Hunting, that too much of the success of that was attributed to me. Mm. I mean, if Mm -hmm. ever there was a 50-50 job, like, writing with him... People would always ask who wrote what like in, right. you know right. and it's who like, typed. Yeah, who it's like, it's like yeah. that's the
2: dumbest question. <laughs> yeah. right? Like who typed? Yeah, yeah. Like, well, everyone
3: or, in America can type.
1: Yeah, so I doubt exactly. that's the uh, That's not the that's not the thing that, <laughs> The key ingredient to this.
3: But the way every line of dialogue like having just gone through it again with him. It's like one of us says something, the other iterates Wait, on that. Wait, you guys that. just the wrote other, another movie together? This movie The Last Duel that's going to come out in October. <gasps> Yeah. We don't even know about that. Oh, we're, right. we're here to talk about Stillwater, uh, Stillwater another movie. Wow. But, wow, you guys wrote it. We then, wrote with Nicole Holif Center. It's a movie about the last sanctioned duel in medieval France. It was a history book we read. It's about these two knights, one of whom claimed the other raped his wife. And so they fight a duel oh to God. the death over this. And so we saw it as this story of perspective. So Ben and I wrote the male perspectives, and Nicole wrote the female perspective. Oh, oh my yeah. God. yeah. How cool. Yeah, it's really, I think it's going to be really good. Who and directed it? Ridley Scott.
0: Oh, my Damn. God. Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited. So, yeah, it's, so excited.
3: Yeah, I'm so excited. It's good. The trailer just came out yesterday. Oh, my
1: God. I got yeah. to see it. Ding, ding, ding. Okay, well, I watched Stillwater last night. I got to say, I'm so glad I got to see that right before I talked to you because you're completely, I have not seen this version of you as Bill. Where I'm from, it's so spot on. And it's the tiniest things that are spot on. The fact that you wear your fucking sunglasses on top of your hat is just such a wonderful, specific thing. I don't know if you're behind that or someone suggested that, but that is such a key ingredient. Yeah, I hang with mostly dudes who put their sunglasses on their hat. I'm into off-roading and I'm into all these things. And it's so specific. And then, I don't know, it must have been in the script, but the frequency with which you say dumbass in the delivery of dumbass, it's just a bullseye. It's the arrow going through the arrow that's already in the bullseye. It's so fucking every dude that i grew up around oh cool you're so fucking good in it it's crazy man it's one of my favorite things i've done can i suggest or ponder that it's probably also one of the harder things you've done because i find it to be hardest when you do the least and to have the confidence that the doing the nothing is something huge
3: yeah i always believed in that and i think i believe in it more now And there's more certainly with this role there's a lot underneath the nothing Yes. You know what I mean? And that was always the kind of acting that I responded to when you could look at somebody who looked like they were doing nothing and it was pretty fucking far from nothing.
1: Yeah. Paul Newman you know? playing the fucking pinball machine at the beginning of Verdict Yeah, it's
3: one of my favorite openings of all. Like movie. how could you play pinball? And well, tell me as shot, much too. as you. Like Lou Metz shot like that whole thing. That that tells you everything you need to know about know. that guy. but it's a special actor
1: that can play pinball and let you know exactly who he is and then go drink a a sip of beer with an egg in it it, right right. yeah
3: yeah i know so fucking tasty the accent had you done a southern accent before yeah i mean i've done them for certain different movies i I lived down in texas a lot in my 20s just because i I ended up working down there in austin I, i worked in austin i worked in el paso i worked in del rio i worked in alpine there's a very specific texas accent Well, it changes throughout the state. I mean, West Texas can get pretty severe. Like down in Oklahoma where I went, these guys, I mean, everything came from like that roughneck community. Like that's a thing that I didn't realize the specificity of that. Yeah, it's a huge
1: industry that no one really is aware of. Yeah. Do you know what a roughneck is, Monica? It's someone that drills on an oil, right? Yeah, like like, putting the pipe. Right, right. Oh, (laughs) Oh, he was biting He was uh, was uh, an oil guy. Yeah,
3: Okay. (laughs) but these guys like it's a really 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 hard job like physically and hard super job. dangerous and very dangerous and these guys are really proud because if you can do it you can do it and if you can't like i got up on the rig and i was like no fucking way and so this guy is a roughneck and so that meant going down there and talking to those guys and tom had been down there quite a bit the director and writer and and then i went down for a few days with him and rode around with those guys, went to the oil rigs. I mean, they were great. They gave us a lot of access, like hung out with their families, barbecue in the backyard, long drives in the car, all the detail, like the physicality of it. So when I was like, all right, I'll, my body needs to look this way. Like, well, your deltoids looked awesome. You have a couple of sleeveless
1: <laughs> scenes and I was like, fucking deltoids still on point.
3: Yeah. Well, those guys are strong, but they're like beefy. They're like, they're strong. They're not, Right. They're strong. They're They're real strong. They're real strong. Yeah,
1: yeah. (laughs) Cowboy strong. Country strong. That's right.
0: That's right. What's a synopsis? Okay,
1: so his daughter has been incarcerated in France
3: for a murder. It kind of reminded me
1: of the Amanda Knox story. Yeah, think that was Mm -hmm. their
3: inspiration for the idea. It's kind of like what Tom was interested in is what happened after all the cameras went away? Um, Like what happens to that family? Yeah. And what if the father was a roughneck from Oklahoma and his daughter's in jail in Marseille and What happens with a lot of these roughnecks is you go to the oil fields right out of high school. If you don't go to college, you go to the oil fields. And when the fields are up, these guys end up with a lot of cash in their pockets. And they're 18, 19 years old, and a lot of them go down this path of addiction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You almost
1: kill yourself working, then you almost kill yourself partying.
3: Exactly, and then you go back to work. There's a weird redemptive
1: quality. So, like, people who live to live in, like— penance. It's a weird way to like live like an animal cuz I did this. I was a roofer and an alcoholic and, mm-hmm. I, and I felt like my penance was getting up at 5 and doing that thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that I can continue to fucking be a werewolf at night.
2: Right,
3: right, right. Oh, nice that's cycle. interesting. So the idea is that this guy was an absentee father. Like had this baby, just wasn't around. So he's at the beginning of the movie, his daughter's already been in prison for 4 years and he's carrying a lot of grief and pain and shame. And regret around the ways in which he failed his kid. And so that guy goes to visit his daughter and she says, I have this new piece of information about the real killer. And oh. so this guy who has no skills, yeah, but really wants to help. He doesn't speak the language. He doesn't understand the culture. Like, he doesn't really know what's going on around
0: him right. for most
3: of
1: the time. Can I just add this? So what's really fun about this movie is it's nearly the opposite of The Martian in that your character in The Martian was very flexible, a great improviser, took on new information, adapted, adapted, adapted. This guy goes to France. He doesn't learn one thing of French, he walks into places just speaking English before he asks if anyone understands what he said. He eats at Subway. He's the opposite, (laughs) literally the opposite of the Martian character. He is not evolving at all. He's just
3: plotting. And yet by the end of the movie, he's gone on this like incredible journey and he's, he's a very different person than he was at the beginning of the movie, but in
1: a very real way. The whole time I'm trying to put your character, Bill, into a category in my head. And it's almost driving me crazy because I'm looking at him and he looks like my stereotype of a far-right winger. Yeah. And even in the movie, your French female counterpart, they get drunk and even ask you at one point, did you vote for Trump? And then in my mind as a viewer, I'm like, oh, I'm going to get the answer that I've been looking for. And then you go, oh, I couldn't vote because I'm a felon. And then that topic's over. Mm -hmm. And you leave that scene and I'm like, he still didn't give it to me, and I like that.
3: My reading of that was, like, he says no, and they're kind of relieved, and he's like, well, I couldn't vote. Right. Like, in other words, like, what's implicit in that is, of course I would have voted for him. I talked to those guys, you know, you're talking about politics. Yeah, you know, yeah, they're yeah. like, A, they're in Oklahoma, which is the reddest state in the union, and they work in the oil fields. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, they're yeah. voting red down the ticket sure. no matter what, Yeah, and completely unapologetically. And, like, the guys that I talk to view it as a kind of a binary proposition. It's like, well, my kids are going to eat. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. And yeah, that's yeah. that's my job and I yeah. need somebody to protect my job. And that's how they look at it.
0: When you talk to those people for character work, do you feel the need to like say, "But what about kids in cages?" I mean, do you just feel like, "Oh shit, I can't really input my own feelings on this?"
3: Well, what I'm there to do is to try to understand why the character does what he does, yeah. right? But I think they were Wary, they were like, "What are you guys doing here? Like, yeah, you making yeah. a movie about roughnecks. Come on, what are you doing? What's yeah. the
1: real liberal subtext yeah, of this? That's I'd right. imagine. How are you yeah. going
3: to fucking throw us under the bus? Exactly. With this thing? Yeah. And I think once they realized that, I think Tom let them see the script, and they were like, "Oh, like this script has got a lot of compassion and a lot of empathy for this guy. And yeah. And so do we, for that matter. And so, and so we were just trying to get it right. But look, there were a lot of those jokes. Like, this dude came up when I was." For, we were sitting there, and this guy drove up, and his name was Big John. His work was related to the Roughnecks because he would bring out equipment to the rig when it went down. So he was an important part of making this whole system work. And Kenny Baker, the guy who took us around, who was, we named Bill Baker as a oh, nod boy. to Kenny because Kenny was so great. And Kenny said, oh, you got to meet this guy. And he he said, Big John, come here. He goes, this here's Matt Damon. He's making a movie about the oil business. And uh, (laughs) (laughs) and this guy walks over and Big John, like all these guys are big. (laughs) Sure, 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 sure. Big John's bigger. Uh, And he walks over and he shakes my hand and he goes, I hope I like it more than the last movie you did about the oil business because oh, Syriana. I'd, no, it, after Syriana, John Krasinski and I wrote oh, Promise yes. Land oh, about fracking about fragging fragging. and natural gas. We started laughing, but it was <laughs> Oh, that's hilarious. And it was I was like, yeah, I think you're going to like this one more, man. <laughs> 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 but they were where it was like, what are your intentions? Yeah. yeah. Well, by the way, very earned. To be skeptical.
1: Totally. And this is what I actually really, really liked about the movie is that I'm always on my soapbox about, like, so we as a family go to the sand dunes quite often. Everyone there is on the right. Every flag on the dune buggy is a Trump flag. And what I love about it is you end up gathering around, like, the swing set where everyone dunes to. And everyone's there with their kids. Everyone went through, like, a ton of discomfort and inconvenience to get there, to give their kids this experience. And my wife and I'll be sitting there, and I I just love that. I love something that breaks through this us and them thing. And what I liked about the movie so much is like, I'm trying to figure out who you are in that sense, in this stupid binary sense. But far more important, I have a daughter. And I'm like, fuck, I hope I would be the man this man's proving to be in this situation. Yeah. And that is so much more valuable and important than the other reasons I might look at your character. Yeah, Totally.
3: Yeah, that's, and that's how I felt, like, going into this guy Kenny's home and, like, seeing his beautiful family and seeing, like, what a great guy he is, like, yeah. the real deal. And the exact same value system that I have about yeah. some of the most important things. Yeah, I always leave those trips feeling like we're a lot closer than we're made out to be. Yeah, I totally agree. Tom was saying, yeah, I always leave those pissed off at politicians, like, for stoking those divisions. Yeah. Because it works for them. The
1: movie also reminded me of one of my favorite movies, um, In the Valley of Ella. Did you see that movie? I didn't. Tommy Lee Jones was on a very uh, similar ride that your character was on, and just his subtlety and his silence and
3: all those things that you brought to this were very similar. Yeah, he's one of my favorites. He cast me in 1994, In the first thing he ever directed was a TV movie called The Good Old Boys. And he cast me, I was 22, I think, 23? 23. That was my first time working with him, and... It was amazing. And then he was in the last Born movie that we did, five or six oh, years right, ago. Oh, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. My favorite story about Tommy Lee, can I tell you this Yo, story? please. Ben did a movie with him. It was a good movie. John Wells directed it. As Ben said, it was kind of a two-hander, except Tommy Lee had this one speech that really kind of made it Tommy Lee's movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. But he's one of our favorite actors. Ben was excited. To work. Company Men was the name of the movie. Oh, right. And Ben's like, so we're shooting this scene. It's a, like a steady cam shot. It's a walk and talk. And they're over me onto Tommy Lee. And it's like a two-page monologue. And so he goes, the first one, Tommy Lee kind of stumbles through, kind of, we're finding the blocking, we're finding out. Second one, he goes, he stumbles on a few lines, but it's starting to take shape. He goes, the third take, he goes, uh, he was a third of the way through this thing. And suddenly I was a director and completely out of the scene, just rooting for him. And now I'm thinking, oh, wait, we don't even need a reverse. We can play this whole thing on him. This fucking thing plays in one. This thing plays in one. Like, this is unbelievable. And now he's halfway through and he's like, fucking go, TL, you got this. And he's like, and so finally he makes it all the way to the end. And Ben goes, I'm like, my jaw's on the floor. And John Wells says, cut. And I take a second to catch my breath because I'm about to say to him, Tommy Lee, that's one of the most incredible things I've ever seen in my life. He goes before I can say that, Tommy Lee strides away from me, walks right up to the director, puts his hand out, shakes the director's hand, and goes, "I think you're gonna like your movie."
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> I think you're I gonna
2: like, like wow. your movie. <laughs> oh, and then my He god, just that's went great. home.
3: He's uh, like later. Like total mic drop. Oh, oh my that's god! Great. Okay.
0: You've done SNL a bunch, right?
3: Just a couple times. Yeah, I've hosted it twice.
0: Your monologue about your dad was very sweet oh, and thanks. lovely.
3: Yeah, it just happened to be like the anniversary of his death, right? like one day after, I guess. Yeah. yeah. What did he die of? Cancer, multiple myeloma, which is a blood cancer. But it's not leukemia. It's a co- kind of a cousin to leukemia. You get too many white blood cells and it over? Yeah, it just it goes through your bone marrow and it just, it's, it's not... Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, they've got some things that do a good job and there's new CAR T-cell therapies that are kind of coming online that could be really great. How long was that process? Eight and a half years. Oh, it was? Yeah, wow. so for the first probably seven years, I want to say, there were certain things, Velcade, Revlimid, there were things that worked really well for him where mm-hmm. so he'd, he'd get it like an infusion every two weeks mm-hmm. and uh, he'd have kind of one sleepless night and then he was great wow right. and so that was really great he had wonderful care like a mass general in boston so my dad
1: called me august 5th i went and looked at this thing on my neck i have lung cancer and then december 31st he died so four months wow. and in that four month window I was back in Michigan every other week, and taking him to chemo on all those things. The thing I found hard to manage that I immediately think of when thinking of an eight and a half year process is trying to adjust your expectations all the time. Like I was like, "Oh, he's going downhill." Like, mm-hmm. "Okay, this is the final turn," and then this weird rebound for two weeks right, where it's right, like, right, "Oh right. no, he's eating!" Yeah, you know, here he's like, "He ate a steak last night." And you're like, oh, "Oh, we're back!" So I got to shift my mind now to yeah. like what we're going to beat this, like that whole seesaw of yeah. what
3: am I preparing for? I found to be really challenging. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. The last year of his life was tough. So we moved back to Boston and, and he was in the hospital every day, getting treatments and some nights he'd have to stay and some nights he'd come home. And it was a really long drawn out process, but we had hope for kind of nine months of that year. And then we got him, qualified him for this thing, and it didn't work. Yeah, that was the weird one. Was the kind of existentially cruel one. Was you're you're gonna die? Mm-hmm. He was 109 pounds,
2: oh. which oh, wow. which
3: was like he was 109 pounds the last six months of his life, and we realized it was because that was the weight of his skin and his bones and his organs. Yeah, There was nothing else to lose. Wow. And he was so weak that the only part of him that worked was his brain was fucking perfect. No. Really? It was like he was excruciatingly aware of everything that was happening. Uh-huh. And that there was no hope, and he was a very optimistic guy. And I remember him saying at one point, like, it's so strange to have nothing to hope for. Yeah. The last three months are just waiting. waiting for this inevitable thing and there's nothing else to do in your life you don't have the strength to leave the bed right so you can't go anywhere even in a wheelchair i mean he was so compromised you couldn't even take him somewhere yeah say do you want to see this like it was like you couldn't write that it was weird it was so cruel yeah. Yeah. Well, thank God my dad had a fentanyl patch, which was a 72-hour time release thing. Those are, ni- those are nice. And, well, I mean, yeah. an opioid, when you actually are in pain, actually goes right to the pain. It doesn't, you know. Yeah. yeah. He, that's yeah. what it's for. Totally, that's actually what it's yeah. for. He was totally lucid. Like, you would forget that he... Yeah. But if I try to put that fucking thing on. Yeah, <laughs> like, be now. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, completely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it just literally short-circuited his pain. He forgot wow. how much pain he was supposed to be in because the cancer had eaten through his bones, right? So if he moved, he was going to He could snap, break anything. Yeah. Oh,
1: yeah. I don't
3: know. Did you read Grant by chance?
1: No. Ulysses S. Grant biography. You know, he died of throat cancer in the 1800s. Right. And when you come to terms with what it used to be like to die of cancer versus like what my dad went through, your dad, my stepdad, it used to be horrific.
3: Right, yes. I mean, I mean like uh, yeah.
1: him coughing up chunks of his body and right. stuff, you know, like can't drink water,
3: no opiates. No, that's right. That's right. Though, like, you well, know, the, my dad had pneumonia. He must have had pneumonia 12 times in the last few years of his life. And uh-huh. they used to refer to that as the great mercy. Right, because that would
1: take you out.
3: So the last year that he had, which was not a year that I would wish on anybody, yeah, he wouldn't have needed all those OBSs. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes,
1: yes. I have a weird smidgen of gratitude that he didn't die of a heart attack because he had heart disease, my dad. That could have happened. As evil as cancer is, there is something I think amazing about the knowledge that like, hey, anything you got to clean up, now's the time. I ended up really appreciating that window where I got to make peace with a lot of stuff. Then I think a lot of, sons don't get to do if their dad just drops yeah. dead of a heart attack
3: funnily enough my dad was somebody with whom i always was fully at peace yeah that's wonderful and so that year was precious in the sense that we had a lot of time together yeah but i didn't need it for that reason right i'm lucky to be able to say that And i hope that i'm that kind of dad to my kids like there were so many lessons in how he was with us but a lot of the time it was just sitting around hanging out and shooting the shit with him yeah yeah but, you know what tv did you guys watch together Well, it was 2017, so it was always politics, and he goes, Jesus, Matthew, I just want to make it. I just wish I could make it to see this son of a bitch get his come up and see he about Trump. Uh-huh. He goes, this guy represents everything that's wrong with this country. He goes, he's the flip side to the coin. He's selfish. He's out for himself. He's greedy. He's an egomaniac. He's a narcissist. You know, he just go on.
2: <laughs>
1: My dad, we had a moment where we were watching his shows because that's what we did when I would visit him. And he was super into this show that was either on like Showtime or Epics or whatever. And it was a Game of Thrones-esque show, but it wasn't on HBO, right? (laughs) And he's like, oh, you're not watching whatever the hell the name of the show
2: was.
1: (laughs) So we're watching it together. He puts it on. And there's a scene where this princess wants to choose a lover. And they line up like 20 men. And then, by God, Matt, there is a tracking shot that is just on the penises. Uh, I'm not kidding you. Uh, and so we're starting on one penis, and it's a slow dolly. It's yeah. just I'm seeing yeah. like oh, there's testicles. I mean, yeah. you see everything. Then on to the next equipment. On the And about five people in, my dad goes, wait till you see this guy's dick. And I'm like, okay, so you've already seen this episode. This is like a 90-second trekking shot of guys' dicks, and you're starting to get excited because a huge one's coming our way. And I was like,
2: what are you watching? That's amazing. Oh, Oh,
1: it was incredible. And sure enough, they got to that one guy, and he had a big old hog, and the princess was happy, and my dad was delighted
3: (laughs) fantastic
1: he
0: knows his son you liked
3: it i fucking loved it i yeah. loved it i loved it the apple did not fall from. him what was the name of the show
0: <laughs> oh my god i'm gonna
1: have to look it up for the fact checks for anyone who wants to see a long tracking shot of like 12 penises all of them great but one definitely outshining the rest <laughs> well matt you're fucking awesome the only last thing i want to say well everyone should be watching your new movie Stillwater, which is incredible and that comes out i think it's july, july 30th, 30th yeah and then now, not to trump that, but now we're so excited to find out that you wrote I'm a so movie excited. with Ben, and then that one's called "The Last Duel." The Last Duel, yeah. which comes out in October. Yeah, mid October. We're not going to get boring with like the state of movies and all that kind of stuff. We're going to skip that. The only thing that I have to cover still is because you're not an armchair. There's like two million listeners that are so wrapped up in Monica and I's lives, and we're so grateful for it. I can't put too fine a point on how much of Monica's life has revolved around you and Ben. I mean, I know you have mega fans. I just, I know you have mega fans, but I don't think you can understand the place you occupied in Monica's life. That's awesome. Changed my life. But
3: look, if it's a positive change, that's the best thing I
1: can hear.
0: Of course. Yeah, Yeah. it it brought me out here. It it changed my life, really.
3: That's awesome. One of the cuter stories I've heard
1: about you guys is that she would go camping when she was like 12 with her friend and she'd be really convinced Unfortunately,
0: old you? probably like 15 Four, 15 yeah
1: and she'd really convince herself they might be camping here <laughs>
0: <laughs> i would think that when i was anywhere it was like such a fantasy that like i might be in the movie theater maybe and then i'd like look back and maybe you guys were in the movie theater some, somehow like that's why camping. this is this is extremely full circle for me to be sitting across from you having spent so much Time in my life putting energy into coming <laughs> coming across you. Uh, so, thank you for being here. You're yeah,
3: very, very, very welcome. But I can't, I'm just trying to imagine the scenario in which, like, you guys Brandon are camping. And I come out stretching, oh, in the morning oh, no. out of our two person tent. Who's cooking coffee on in, fire
0: in Helen, in Georgia? In
3: Helen, Georgia. Yeah. Uh, <laughs>
0: Well, you uh, know, so, anything's possible. Hey, do you
3: guys have any more bacon? <laughs> 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 hey, young gal. Hey,
1: hey. Uh. hey
0: you're cute.
3: <laughs> so
1: I guess all I'm leaning towards is I don't feel nervous about asking this, but if you were not married and you were 33, oh, you would walk right out the door with of her, course, wouldn't you? Absolutely. I mean, and never look back, right? Absolutely. Don't make yeah. him say no, that. I no, know, I know it's sincere. There's no way he wouldn't walk
3: right out this door and then get camping.
2: That's right. Off to it, the would, tent. it would it
0: would
3: it be it helps to be married to somebody who likes you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yes, as
2: yes,
3: well yes. as loves
1: you. That's right. Although yeah. for me that wouldn't work.
3: That wouldn't work. I'm an endless approval
1: junkie, so if you give it all to me, I'm bored. I'm oh really? It. So my wife is a genius at like laughing at my jokes every like 20th joke. <laughs> oh, it's wow. a, it's a science and yeah, I applaud yeah, her for yeah. it. Yeah. Cuz it's not a given she's just on another level she's, is yours a given like do you think your wife's going to approve of what you think and do or, fuck no right you, no, it's no.
3: required right yeah i don't know if it's required i mean it's this the way my
1: life is <laughs> yeah 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 yeah.
3: i don't mind approval either oh i love it i love it i'm thinking of you at 15 i'm like because i have a 15 year old daughter and it's yeah. and now we're not allowed to say uh olivia wilde's name in our house because she's with Harry Styles, oh, oh
0: and that's my a mortal director. enemy yeah,
3: now. Yeah. yeah, and I'm, I, I'm not even like she's a great director. And my daughter, stop this, don't. <laughs> don't <laughs> yeah, I don't
0: yeah.
2: want to hear you about her
3: it. name. Don't you say her name oh in my, my house. She, she is a like, great director. That movie was fantastic. Fantastic, I loved it. And I that was loved her first it. movie for. her, I know right? that's a real. That's a hell of a first movie. She's great, but I literally can't say that I'd love to be in her next movie because <laughs> yeah, your daughter
1: would <laughs> so that. Don't say that.
3: Well, maybe you could go in as an operative to break them up.
1: Right, She that, could that, come that would, on yeah, set. Right, right. You know, she'll
0: come visit on yeah. set. You're going to
1: have to talk to mom because it might involve you having to woo her away. Yeah, I don't so think mom that, might have to give you a pass <laughs> just I, to solve this. I don't think I have
3: those skills. Oh, <laughs> I, right. you underestimate true. yourself. Right. Who was your girl? Who was my girl? Who was your Matt Damon? Oh, well, let me think. Back in the day. you like 12 to 15. Who are you like, oh, my God, if I could. i trying kind to of remember. I could just get 10 minutes
1: was, with her. I could seal it. She would know. She would see how special I am.
3: Well, the '70s was Linda Carter and Charlie's Angels, and but God, when I was a teenager, who was it when I was a teenager? You're five. Oh, like Lisa Bonet.
0: That's Dex's. Really? Yes, that's crazy. Lisa
3: Bonet on the Cosby Show was just. How about Angel Heart? Um, fuck it, stop it. Like I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't go from that to Angel Heart. I was just like, I, was,
1: I just was like, that it was, was
3: too much. It was too much. I was just like,
1: oh I my had God. this mix of like, I love her so much. I'm now intimidated. I could never please her. Yeah. Look at this creature. Yeah. I would never. I,
3: I wouldn't stand a
1: chance. I just was overwhelmed with like fear and lust and yeah. love all at yeah. the same time. Like if I had my shot, I would blow yeah. it. If I, if I had my shot, I, <laughs> I would totally ruin it. Well, I'm delighted to find yeah. out this Lisa Bonet guys- thing. And, song. of course, we both love Monica, too, so there's
2: two. Look at that.
1: Yeah.
3: Here it was so go. much
1: fun. I really am flattered you drove all the way out here. I know it's a pain in the ass,
3: so Total thanks pleasure. for coming today in Today, they person. actually drove me. I don't think they trusted me to get here for some
2: reason. They should it. <laughs> so it's, they
3: got me a car. I was like, you know I have a car. Yeah, you know I live here, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. I mean, I can totally make it to Los Feliz. No, sometimes it can't be done. Right. It's, no, apparently yeah. they think it can't yeah. be
1: done, yeah. so. Prince Harry drove from Santa Barbara. There you go. And I was like, this, we don't deserve this. Yeah, but he was like in Uh, Afghanistan. You know what I mean? Flying (laughs) a fucking black eye. You're right. He's like, I can come down 90 miles. I'm an actor. (laughs) Well, Matt, such a pleasure. Thanks so much for doing the show. And I want everybody to see Stillwater in theaters July 30th. I saw it. It's fucking awesome. He's incredible, as always. It's annoying. Thank you so much, (laughs) Matt. (laughs) Thanks, guys. And now my favorite part of the show, the fact check with my soulmate, Monica Padman.
0: This is the fact check of my life.
1: Now, it's- expectations versus experience. Let's rate that.
0: I did a weird thing where obviously my expectations were at 100, but then I brought them down because I knew that's no one can meet that, that that's silly, that I can't go in feeling that way about him.
1: He's not will hunting, you remind yourself.
0: Well, it's just not fair to him. And we've had that on here so often where we have people on and we have very high expectations. And they're amazing, wonderful people, but they can't meet the standard that we put them at. So I lowered them extremely. And I was like, this is probably like not going to be that interesting. And then he was perfect. Yeah. Then he was absolutely everything. Sigh of relief. I wanted him to be. Well,
1: now people will be able to see the pictures of you hugging him. uh, (laughs) It's like seeing a picture of a unicorn being ridden by a leprechaun. Like there's looks on your faces in those photos that I've just never seen. And I've (laughs) known you for seven years. Like. There's one in particular I want people to hone in on. It's it's you've got your mouth closed. It's just post you mean
0: eyes. My eyes are your good. eyes. Sorry. Yeah.
1: You've got your eyes closed. He's just kissed you tenderly on top of the head, <laughs> and the look on your face is like maybe when people come out of the river, they've been born again. Like they get donked and then they come up and then they feel the connection with the Lord in a way that I don't know. That's how I felt. Transcendent.
0: I really felt born again. Yeah. I felt, well, and here's a little BTS. I was coming out of a very dark week.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Very dark. Yeah,
0: And I was very upset going in. Earlier that day. Yes, and I was like, this sucks. This sucks that this is happening on this day. Physically and mentally, no matter what I do, I will not be able to enjoy this the way I want.
1: And be present.
0: And be present the way I want. And he- Fight well. First of all, I'll give you credit here. You pulled me aside before uh-huh. the interview, and you said, "Don't let anything that's going on affect this because this is too special and I exciting." Said, I think
1: I said, "Like, think of this as mushrooms. You're yeah. in charge right now to have an experience." Yeah, but hard as fuck.
0: Very, and and I didn't truly did not think it was possible when. Even, even knowing I was trying to do that.
1: Yeah, you can't shake. Sometimes when you're like, I know better than anyone. Like when I'm in a anger spiral or a sad spiral, like it just doesn't matter what I'm witnessing. I don't care. Yeah. It's so hard. Yeah. It was super impressive you turned it around. And a lot of it's him.
0: It is him. It is him. He has changed <laughs> my mood and life again. So many times in my life and he did it again. Yeah. And I could not that was the look. It's just like this person
1: <laughs> is magic to you. To me. The thing you said that I loved was the look on your face post hug was like, "Oh my god, he actually is the person I want him to be." In that he recognizes I love him and he's going to take the time and give me what I want. He's going to he's going to be generous, because he's a good person.
0: Yeah. In that moment, he was giving me a gift that he knew I wanted. It wasn't for him to wow. kiss me on the head.
1: I would argue differently, but yeah.
0: Right. But that, but you're wrong. He, he did that for me because yeah. he knew and he was sitting across from me and we were talking about it. And I felt this in the moment, but also editing back. He was just so kind with his spirit towards me like anytime I said anything he would really like listen and really respond and even if I just like said something he'd see you every time he would he would acknowledge it and not patronizing at all it was just a kindness of heart
1: I think he is that type of person he Mm -hmm. wants you to feel seen and heard and
0: yeah it was really special but the also the look is obviously about him but it really is not. It's about me. It was about the fact that that was happening. Yeah. That I could not believe that the person that I wished was camping. <laughs> yes. And I put so much energy into that moment that it, it happened.
1: Can I say that was my favorite moment of the interview was the camping example because that really got him. He started yeah. laughing pretty hard. Yeah. Like, oh my God, you thought I was...
0: Like, that's crazy. So,
1: and what I liked about it was, so this wasn't about me at all. This was in service of you. But also, here's the tightrope I thought I was walking, which is, he doesn't listen to the show. So he I got to bring him up to speed on the impact you've made on his life, uh-huh. which is hard to do. And naturally, he's a movie star, so a lot of people are in love with him. So there's yeah. nothing really new about hearing that someone's in love with him. Yes. Yes. And so, as a guest, I want to leave it at that. But I owe the Arm cherry. The Arm Cherries know what this moment's all about. Mm-hmm. And so, I got to kind of keep touching down on that a little bit. Yeah. But I don't want to overwhelm him with it. Like, he is doing a... Um, what are those charity things we do where you, where you hang out with someone who wins the... A-
0: Make-A-Wish.
1: <laughs> no, 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 no. That's much sadder. Amaze. Oh. So... When we brought up camping and he, it really got him, I was like, here we go. Now we're somewhere new.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: This is
1: a new element. He's never heard that the people <laughs> that were in love with him thought he might be camping in Georgia. And I was like, okay, here we go. This is like, this is good.
0: It's it's really hard in these circumstances. A little bit with Amy, too. Polar. Not. The, I mean, again, there is just no other person besides Ben on mm-hmm. planet Earth or maybe if the entire cast of friends was sitting here together.
1: <laughs> right, right
0: that could have that kind of effect on me.
1: Yeah. Other than Amy.
0: No, no, and Amy was, but it was still it was still different because Ben and Matt, they represented something. Mhm. They represented this like future happiness. Yeah. For me. Mhm. Amy Polar was just an idol. Yes. It's a different thing, and it sounds maybe the same. It's very hard to articulate, which is why knowing this was going to happen, it's like I how there's just no way to articulate, yeah, the feeling that that he's given me so many times, truly, this escape
1: I think it's how you regulated. So like I regulated through sex and yeah. I regulated through um adrenaline seeking and in drugs. yeah, but I think when you had moments of like I don't belong here, I'm out of sorts, yeah. You went to that fantasy and it was very comforting.
0: Absolutely.
1: Yeah. So it's kind of like you meeting cocaine for the first time for me.
0: Yeah, maybe. (laughs) I think all these things that I felt I didn't have that I wanted, approval, basically from met boys, not mm-hmm. men. Well, and men, like my, my um, friend's dad.
1: That's right. It's um, nice you call well, him your my, friend. Well, my yeah.
0: enemy's dad. Yes. Um, <laughs>
1: your subjects. My bull, your sub, bully. Your subjects. Yeah, I don't want to talk about that okay. in this episode. All right. Um,
0: So, <laughs> especially the boy thing. It was not happening in real life, but it didn't matter. It didn't matter about the Dairy Queen boy because I was going to meet Matt Damon
1: that's who you and wanted he, to be with. So
0: he was gonna everyone was
1: short of that, so it didn't matter. It mm-hmm. was a way to make it not matter.
0: Yeah, it, it was very profound. One of my favorite parts of the interview was that you guys both were in love with Lisa Bonet. That
1: was a highlight for me. I loved time. that. And then he was like talking about how hot she was on 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 the Cosby show. And I was like, What about Angel Heart? Yeah. And he both we he, both had the same thing, erupted. which is like and we were like intimidating. Yeah. Like fear. Yeah. Like that's the human experience. It's like. Total in love and then coupled with fear that I couldn't please this goddess. Of course. Oh, man. (laughs) It's amazing we can even get out of bread and and brush our brief (laughs) in the morning. I know. Other favorite part for me was how much he kept sticking up for his bro. I loved that. He was mad. People thought that he didn't write it. Like me, I'd be like, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm so mad everyone's giving me the credit. I would love it personally. Oh, "Oh, they think I'm the genie.
0: I'm I'm a piece of shit. That's not true. That's okay. not true. You've done that with this show with me, oh. plenty of times.
1: Okay, <laughs> well, anyways, I really loved how he was still pissed that Ben got the rough treatment yeah. during the JLo thing. I know. So I was on Instagram last night. For some reason, in my little suggestions thing, was a picture of your boyfriend and Jennifer Lopez. That's right. On a boat. It was her birthday. Her and fifty they were first or second it broke birthday. The internet.
0: Mm-hmm. Of course, I was sad when I saw that picture. Okay. Okay?
1: Even though you just connected with Matt?
0: Well, that's even more why.
1: Because oh. I was like, oh my God. The single one I would connect the with as well.
0: single one I, maybe I would connect yeah. with in the same way. And he's single. You're
1: still doing the campground thing, which I love.
0: I won't, I'll never stop. Good.
1: I want you to be uh, in hospice and think, I wonder if Matt might be a um, hospice nurse. He might come in and administer my stuff. Well, of course,
0: I've already had bizarre. I'm like, is he gonna email me? Like, <laughs> I wonder if he'll email and then we'll like have a yeah. email relationship. Not, not like in, inappropriate. not inappropriate. No. Just like we'll be connected now. Yeah, and yeah, it's just not. What if he stop requested a
1: picture of your boobs on the email after several, after like two dozen really nice back and forth?
0: Wait, is the is he still married? Yeah, I can't. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll ask him if if his wife says it's okay. Okay.
1: Ask her. Yeah.
0: Say, what's her email?
1: Yeah. I'll send her a picture of my boobs. If she thinks you should have them, she can send it to you.
0: I don't want to get him in trouble for asking, though. So first I'd have to say, hey, is your wife cool with this? Yeah. And then if he said, yeah, she is, yeah, then I would say, okay, great. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to email her. Yeah. And just double check.
1: That's great. Double check. Yeah.
0: I got, I get the,
1: yeah. I got the uh, double entendre of the double.
0: <laughs> oh my goodness.
1: Anyways, what a day.
0: What a what day. What a day. Okay, I I want to make a correction. Okay. So you said in school I would close my eyes and I would watch the movie. Yeah. Um, my eyes weren't closed. Oh, they weren't. No. Oh. Because I can't close my eyes in class. That would look. I get in trouble. My eyes were just fully open and I would just like stare at the board or the teacher.
1: Hold on a second, though. Mm-hmm. I used to sleep in class, like go out for the whole class Michigan. on my desk.
0: Michigan Public School.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm Magnus Cum Laude from- uh, Oh, my
0: God. The other day we were UCLA's, doing an episode of Mom's planning huh? and Kristen said you were Suma and I was like, that's cool.
1: Wrong, are oh, you corrected? Her, well,
0: no, I didn't correct her. Oh, uh, but, but I you were outraged. I was outraged, yeah. I was like, that's really wrong, and we gotta that's figure unethical, this out. yeah, we gotta figure this yeah. out, yeah. Anyway, um, Brie was Zuma. so was I.
1: I know, <laughs> we know that's established,
0: okay. <laughs> I, I, you brought it up, not me. Um, okay, so.
1: You weren't closing your eyes. You were watching it. Thank you. Yeah.
0: I was watching with Staring my eyes open. Staring out into space.
1: I'd be more worried about you if I was a teacher, if I looked at your wide open eyes and you were fucking disassociated.
0: I wonder if like, that's why I have seizures.
1: Oh my God. <laughs> wow. So maybe he's to blame for that.
0: <laughs> well, that just makes me feel closer to him. That yeah. makes me love my seizures.
1: Oh yeah. They're <laughs> little mat tremors. Would you watch it in real time or a little quicker?
0: I would watch scenes. I couldn't, I mean, I I couldn't really watch the whole movie. That's an hour and a half and like, you know, class is like whatever, 45 minutes. Maybe even two hours. Okay. A couple more little fackies. Okay. How much was Stallone offered for Rocky? Oh, I hope you
1: find this out.
0: So at 30 years old with just $106 in his bank account, Stallone turned down a $300,000 offer.
1: There we go. The equivalent
0: of $1 million today. Okay. Well, not sorry, that was in 2014.
1: Oh my god, so, so $1. $1 million, million in, in 2014
0: for the rights to Rocky. He was determined to make the film he wrote on his terms starring himself.
1: Yeah. So cool. It's very cool. You know, you got to wonder like we we tell these stories. It's kind of like we had a guest on we were talking about getting over trauma and how we've come to appreciate it. But then you really discount the millions of people that trauma destroyed, ruined their fucking life. So we know this story about the guy that held out, but we don't necessarily know the 6,000 people that turned that down and then they weren't allowed to star in the movie and they had nothing. Yeah. So it could be falsely encouraging.
0: Uh, but any encouragement we'll take. Yeah, we'll take it. Um, That's
1: the American dream in a nutshell. I mean, what percentage of people go from a dirt road to a mansion? Very small. But because it does happen, we all cling to it. hmm Yeah.
0: Okay, Rocky did win Best Picture. I mean, I'm sorry, 77. We got to watch that. And Best Actor, Best Director, Best Supporting Actor, Best Actress, Best Screenplay. Can this be? Fucking
1: sweep. (laughs) Wow. It's a great movie. We should watch it.
0: Okay, the Martin Luther King quote that Matt referenced is... The ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy.
1: Yeah, he's kind of biting on Lincoln. One of Lincoln's quotes that happened hundred years before. Well, though. maybe
0: he bit on somebody else's. Probably,
1: but it, but Lincoln's was, if you want to know a man's character, give him great power, or something like I don't that. Think that's it. But... Okay, but it's that's the theme of it.
3: If Oof. you want to test a
1: man's character, give him power. Okay, pretty close. Pretty close. Who's closer, Matt or I, uh, percentage-wise? Oh,
0: hmm. I didn't write down the exact way he feels. Well, maybe you
1: it. should watch without a paddle with your eyes <laughs> open, okay? Why don't you try that on? <laughs> okay,
0: okay, okay. No, because you do an Indian accent, and it's offensive. You yeah, told me that. It's very short, though. Okay, but yeah. I haven't watched that because of that. Well, actually, that's made up. Yeah,
1: you just don't even want to see it. No,
0: I do, but you don't want me to see that part. I'm
1: not a very good actor yet. <laughs> <laughs> I have moments that I'm good, but I also have some moments that I'm...
0: I've seen you in all of the movies that you... Except you do think I should watch Employee of the Month.
1: That's my best performance of my life. No, yes, not... Yes, yes. That can't be.
0: Parenthood, idiocracy. Oh, no. Really?
1: Well, let me let me preface it by saying I don't say a single thing that was written in that script. Like, mm-hmm. I came in, there was nothing there... And I gave it a thousand percent. Yeah. And I think it turned out great. Okay. It's the thing, probably the role I'm proudest of. Wow.
0: So well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch it. Okay. After I watch Google Hunting with my eyes open, oh, I'm maybe,
1: watch it. Oh God, all I ask of you is don't put on Employee of the Month. And while you're staring at the screen, I think you're watching <laughs> it, you're watching the other movie on your eyeballs. That would be so disrespectful. <laughs> Just don't watch it if that's okay. gonna be the case. Okay, all I right? can promise you that. Okay.
0: Okay, we there. This is a fact that I really want to know, but I couldn't find. But and I thought we have an in and we should ask, How much does it cost to get signage on a grand prix car?
1: I don't think he'll know that.
0: Really calling them Ricardo,
1: how much signage? Big, what a waste of time. He actually, I can't send it to him right now. He's he's literally practicing in Budapest, they have a race this weekend. Too bad. You know
0: what? Too bad. Okay. He wants to be our friend and be a part of this fact check. It's just if people are confused, we're texting Danny Ricardo,
1: who is currently
0: who is currently at a Formula One race right now, training.
1: Budapest.
0: And he needs to stop. He needs to pull over his car.
1: (laughs) What if he has his phone in his car? (laughs) <laughs> and it just went off, and he's, like, reading this text as he drives. <laughs> and then he crashes, and when they find his Aww. phone, it's an image of this.
0: Well, he crashes, but he's hurt, but not that hurt, and then I'll fly out. Oh,
1: and nurse him. Yes. And he'll cry. Yeah.
0: Oh, wow.
1: Help us out for this fact check, if you could, period. I know you're not busy in Budapest at all, period. How much do you think <laughs> this Ocean's 12
0: signage
1: signage would have cost question mark or even better comma how much would it cost today period just for one race question mark should we convince spotify
0: oh to
1: put our name on on daniel ricardo yes for austin
0: yes
1: should we talk about the fact that he was on smartless and i was a little upset by that and i don't think you loved it either
0: i i don't like i'm
1: rooting for the guys from smartless obviously they're all friends but i I just wanted Danny to be our thing. Do
0: they even know about Danny? Apparently,
1: I asked him how it went. Apparently, Bateman knew his shit, which I wouldn't put Bass Bateman. But I didn't like that either. I wanted to be the one actor. Who, they
0: don't really know about
1: Danny <sighs> they like don't ar- do. They don't understand. Yeah. They haven't endangered Danny's life on a 100cc dirt bike out in Santa Clarita.
0: If Danny crashes and gets a little hurt, mm-hmm. are they going to fly out
1: and no nurse one. him? Not a
0: chance. Exactly.
1: Not a chance. Are they going to give him a bath and make sure his generals are super clean in the bath? No. no never. What do Yes. Are they going to be willing to be nude so that he knows you, they're not going to steal anything out of his hotel room?
0: No. They they're don't care that to much. They're not willing to do that. Uh-uh. Yeah. Okay. Well,
1: they're not offering nearly the services we are. <laughs> and, I, and by we, I mean you.
0: Okay. So thanks for giving me that.
1: Oh, thank you for giving me that. I love Matt Damon. Like, love him. He's fantastic.
0: Well, that was the other thing. It was like, of course, we were blinded by this whole thing with me. And and then he left and I was like, oh, yeah. Also, Matt Damon's a huge movie star. Like, that was was a huge get.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) It's easy to forget. Yeah. Like, it was all about you for me that day. He was immaterial. Um, (laughs) And I I love him. Oh, my God. I love him. He's so phenomenal.
0: I'm just grateful that he exists.
1: Me, too. And he looked great. And when I hugged him, I felt his lats, and they were really nice. They were yeah. strong. I bet he can do a lot of pull-ups.
0: He had a great hugging ability. He did. Yeah. Fuck. I've but, thought but about you, it a lot of times. Oh, tell obvious.
1: me. And is it? Does it veer into PQ or is it just emotional, like childhood?
0: Nurturing? No, it's both. Of oh, course.
1: the perfect mix. A father and a lover.
0: That's what you want. <laughs> That's exactly what you want. All right, that's it. Well, that
1: was great. One down, one to go.
0: I want them to come on together to promote that movie.
1: Me too. But I want them singular.
0: Well, I want Ben on singular, Mm -hmm. and then I want them to come on together. Then we have done all of it.
1: Yeah, every permutation.
0: All right, I love you. (laughs) I
1: love you. I'm so happy I was here to witness that. God, did that make me happy. I I think I showed as many people the picture as you did.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I liked that you you got a lot of... Vicarious joy. I did.
1: It. I did. It was. I was so happy for you, Rob. Who do you want us to get in here? Maybe Tom York. Tom York. Okay. Or I mean, like
3: Phoebe Waller-Bridge would be up there. Oh, I want oh, her too. Yeah.
1: But but Phoebe can't have the history. No, no. I th- I think Jimmy Kimmel was as close to that kind of history for me. Oh, really? Oh. He was like a first guest. So. Oh. Wow. That's my favorite Tom York song. Robbie Rob. It is from The Eraser, and it's called The Eraser. All right. Okay. I love you. Love you.